Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Keep It A Strong Style. Cuffed it with a forearm as he slid through. Yep. Sliding elbow. Now he got it. He got it. That's it. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my God. Shingo Takagi is the new IWGP World heavyweight champion yo this is rich ladder from one nation radio this is brought to you by the social suplex podcast network we present to you the ace of podcast keeping it strong style let's go it's the ace of podcast keeping it strong style covering new japan they ready to hold it down jeremy donovan and the young boy josh Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost From Tokyo Dome over to the G1 Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done I'ma chill and let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and Chris Samson from SportOfProWrestling.com. On today's show, we'll be reviewing Dominion, answering your questions, and covering all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pressing Tees store, pressingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate. You can click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit njpwext.us today for details. Like you heard in the intro, got the young boy and we got Chris. Guys, how you doing? Good. Happy to be here. Happy New Japan's good again. <laughs> I'm doing so well because just before we got in the uh, came on the air, Chris gave us all the dirt. He told <laughs> us about all the new signings, everyone that's uh, you know coming to New Japan that you guys don't know about. Uh, we are thinking about opening up a 1-800 uh, line where you guys can call in and get this information exclusively. You know, 
It's going to be good. <laughs> to be fair, if I was ever a scoops guy, which I'm not, I would absolutely not post them on a Patreon. I would make a 1-800 number and you would pay <laughs> 95 cents a minute to hear me talk. That's that's what I would do. I would go totally old school. That's what I, I just would, said, right? Yeah. I would also yeah, I would also oh. exclusively watch wrestling on VHS tapes. <laughs> just take it all the way old school. The way that they were meant to be consumed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I only watch my wrestling on Betamax, sir. <laughs> You're gonna have a tough time. <laughs> I've converted all my DVDs to Beta. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, happy to have you on the show again, Chris. Had had to bring you in for a, a big show review. You know, the New Japan fan base—they're all rejoicing uh, after uh, the conclusion of Dominion big title win, which we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but real quick, we've got to talk about Road to Dominion from June 2nd. Going to run through these results real quick, and then we can give brief thoughts on the main event. So we had Rapungi 3K and Taguchi defeating the Suzuki team of Doki, Desperado, and Kanamaru. We had a Suzuki team of Suzuki and Dangerous Techers defeating the Bull Club team of Gato and Girls of Destiny. We had United Empire, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb defeating Kota Ibushi and Master Wato. And then the main event, we had the never openweight six-man tag team titles on the line. The Chaos team of Hiroki Goto, Tomiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi defeating the LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito. Guys, any thoughts from this uh, never six-man match? It was good, but it didn't need to go 31 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I at this point with that belt and what they've been doing with it, I kind of expect the thirty-minute plus or like twenty-five plus, I guess. But I had a great time. Uh, you know, the the never six-man rejuvenation tour continues at Corican Hall. Um, this you know might be the last stop for a little while, based on where the booking's going. But um, I had a good time. I mean, always good to see Yoshihashi get a fall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I liked a lot here. I liked the Ishii Naito sequences. I liked the continuation of the story with Yoshihashi and the elevation of him, like all throughout this. Uh, a lot of history between the different guys in this match. Uh, really, really good. And like, like you called it, Chris, the the rejuvenation tour. Like, you know, last week I kind of uh, guessed that maybe we'd see a uh, chaos dropping the belts to Lij because I was thinking, like, you know, well, you know. Naito's not doing anything. These guys held it for a long time, but clearly they wanted to kind of give them the uh, privilege or the esteem of being the longest reigning and most defending um, six-man tag team champions in New Japan history. So it's a good story, really good match. Uh, another in a long line of good matches from the, from you know this Chaos Trio. Yeah, I really enjoyed this main event here. Loving the run that Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi uh, have been on since winning the titles uh, almost a year ago now, coming up. Uh, they won them during the, the Summer Struggle Tour after uh, LIJ had to vacate the belts due to Evil's turn. And yeah, these guys have just been having bangers and just been putting some uh, prestige to these never six-man titles. Uh, really good main event here in, in Cork and Hall. Like you guys said, Naito and Ishii, you know, interactions were, were the highlights of the match. And then you, know, you had Goto and Sonata pairing off, and then towards the end here, you had Yoshihashi and Bushi. You know, Bushi tried his best uh, with the, the MX and was going to go for a super MX, but then uh, Yoshihashi was able to counter, get him in the butterfly lock, turned it into the Kimura, and got Bushi to tap out. Yeah. Um, 
Yoshihashi confirmed keeping it strong style listener because we've said that this man needed to adjust the uh, butterfly lock for years. He heard our complaints. He made the adjustment and look at him. He's got gold now. So you're welcome, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wraps up the road to dominion. Now we can talk about the show. One thing, one one last thing. I think that this team should just hold the titles indefinitely. Um, I don't know if you guys are like aware of like Bill Mascaris's like IWA world championship title status. But, like, he was, like, the last reigning IWA champion, like, 28 years ago when they went out of business. And he, like, bought the belt. And so he just owns it. And he's still recognized as, like, the reigning <laughs> champion. It's been, it's, been, it's been, like, almost three decades. And he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't drop it. He, he never jobs it. Like, it, he just is indefinitely the world champ. Like, I feel like that's how this chaos team should be. Like, just forever and always, you know, putting on bangers, <laughs> never losing. Forever. I mean, they've, they've only ever lost once anyway, so they may as well just keep it up as a trio. So, yeah, tag team of the year right here. Keep it going. Honestly, though, <laughs> they're on the list. Better than the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned uh, Mill Mascaris buying a title. Do you guys think that Chase Owens bought the Texas uh, heavyweight title, and that's how he got that? I don't know. That sounds like some Mark shit, maybe. <laughs> I mean, somebody else won the Texas Heavyweight Championship shortly after Chase Owens showed up with the Texas Heavyweight Championship, but no one talks about that. Also, there there I, are two Texas Heavyweight Champions right now? I don't know what you're talking about. What are you referring to? Is there controversy that I'm not aware of? No, I'm pretty sure that they then had a match for the Texas Heavyweight Championship, and it's an active title. Hmm. That was after Chase brought that belt to Japan. So I don't know what I don't really know what's going on. I asked someone, and they I was like, "So is this the same belt that Chase is walking around with?" And they were like, "Sort of." And I was like, "I don't have time for this." <laughs> well, <laughs> sounds like we need a, a, a unification match, ladder match in Cork, there you go. Cork and Hall. There you uh, go. All, all I know is that his title ring is not recognized on Cage Match whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's on, I think it's on Wikipedia, though. You know, let's let's see. The true source. April, he did defeat Barrett Brown for VIP Texas title. That's all I can see. I don't know. I don't. Who fuck knows what what's going on with that? I don't know. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Texas champion. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's transition over into Dominion June seventh. Like I was saying, New Japan fandom rejoicing uh, from the matches from this show. We can kind of uh, blaze through the undercard and get to the matches that everybody wants to hear about. Uh, So the show opened up. We had the Bull Club team of Chase Owens, ELP, Evil, Taiji Shimori, and Yujiro Takahashi defeating the Chaos team of Hiroki Goto, Sho, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, post-match, we had the Bull Club team beating down the Chaos team and Evil, Yujiro, and Dick Togo grabbing the Never Six-Man titles. And it would be confirmed later that these three will be challenging Goto, Ishihashi on Kazuna Road. Uh, guys, any thoughts about the, these hot number one contenders? Evil, <laughs> Dick Togo, Yujiro Takahashi. I mean, I like that they use the undercard to set up what's going to happen in the future. So it seemed like it seemed like these matches were purposeful. Um, 
I think that's a fine direction to go. I hope, I mean, to be honest, like it's great to have hope that chaos wins the, the six man match, right? Like, because for so long, those belts got put on shows and no one really cared who won them. And it, it kind of, they disappear for a little while, et cetera. So now, I mean, like, especially in this match, you're going to have literally everyone rooting for Goto, Ishii and Yoshihashi. So that's kind of a cool establishment. Yeah, they also did hmm. tie in the, the story too of Evil, you know, technically never losing the six man titles from last year because he, he vacated them with uh, Sonata. Was it Sonata and Bushi that he was teamed up with? Or was it Shingo? I can't remember. Either way, he vacated it last summer and so he said the belts are still his. Yeah, when I was watching this match, um, I was enjoying it, you know, everything was going good, and then suddenly the groat wire came out, and I just, like, loudly exclaimed my my year-long frustration at having to have watched, you know, uh, Evil and the groat wire, but my feelings are basically this. This is a win-win, okay, because on the one hand, well, it's a win-win-win, it's a triple win, because the first win is when we have this next uh, tour, Evil is relegated to probably a road to show if not the undercard on the big show and so that's great the next win is if they win then he has to be relegated to that spot for some time to come which keeps him out of the main event which is perfect for me like i love that and then if bullet club loses then the never-ending you know reign of excellence that chaos is on just continues so i don't see any negatives here (laughs) hey works for me as well the, the only real negative is you know it would basically at this point diminish the quality of the six the never op- <laughs> uh open weight six-man tag team championships because you know that team right there like dick togo and freaking <laughs> you know Evil like i don't know man <laughs> oh man Rook, I want to point out the highlight of this match was El Fantasmo doing the fan Terminator, the coast to coast back scratch. I popped uh, hilarious. ELP is a man. The thing is, like, he called it like he was going to do like RVD van, you know, uh, van Terminator or whatever. But like, and he had him go far back, but like, there's only so far back you can actually go with two people. So he's like still basically in the middle of the ring, and then they're like selling it like. He did this crazy jump. Like, it's just such, like, good healing, like, just smarmy shit. Like, ugh. Like, he, you know, I've had some criticisms of uh, Phantasma in the past, but, like, this is a guy who, like, gets it. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Thumb points and all. E. L. P. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was great. Uh, so we move on to the second match of the night. We have the LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito defeating the Suzuki-gun team of Doki and Dangerous Techers. Sonata gets the pin here over Zack Sabre Jr. We've seen several uh, backstage comments of Naito and Sonata uh, wanting a team and go after uh, Dangerous Techers. That's, that's the direction that we're going to go in here. Um, we have some questions on this match. Uh, first from Viking Paints is in their backstage promo, ZSJ and Taichi talked about Challenging Kawada and Tawe, would Dangerous Tickets be able to take down the Holy Demon Army in their prime? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like I like the Dangerous Techers a lot, but like the Holy Demon Army is like one of the like top two or three like greatest Perezu tag teams ever in history. 
<laughs> I don't I don't know, man. But that's that's a match I would be interested to see. I don't really know how it would play out because like when I think of like the Holy Demon Army, I'm thinking of like 35, 45 minute plus like tag, you know, epics. And I'm not saying that Dangerous Techers couldn't do that, but we've never really seen them in those kinds of like really, really long, you know, work rate type matches. So I don't know what that even looked like, you know. I don't think they could win. <laughs> like, and that, the question is, could they beat them? No. Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Uh, yeah, be, that would be fun. But we, I'd love to book you know, current versus past forever. But uh, I don't think that's going to work. Um, yeah, clearly Tai Chi was playing some Fire Pro in his off time during this tour. <laughs> I, I think Tai Chi's just got, you know, he's harboring a lot of resentment at Kawada and he wants to, you know, get get the W back at some some way, somehow, you know? Get the W back. Yes. Uh, next question here from Razor PCA91. What did you guys think, make of the comments made on commentary that the heavyweight tag team belts could main event a big show? Do you think we see Dangerous Tickers versus Night to Sonata as a main event of one of the bigger Summer Struggle shows? I, and see, I was a little confused about that. I don't even really know what the schedule looks like coming up. So, I mean, is that what's happening next, Summer Struggle? I thought. Well, so, yeah, Kazuna Road is next after Kazuna that's Road. That's what I would, yeah. There, there's Summer Struggle, but there's going to be three big Summer Struggle shows. Summer Struggle in Sapporo, Nagoya, and I think one other place, I think. I think there's... Mm. I think there's two Sapporos. I yeah. could be wrong. But they are doing they're doing like three bigger two or three bigger summer struggle shows on that tour. Yeah, there's two Sapporos, there's Osaka, and there's Nagoya. Okay. I mean, I feel like that would be a mistake. Uh I'm not saying that like the talent involved wouldn't be deserving of it, but like clearly New Japan is not a tag team based you know, promotion. Um, I could see them headlining like a road to show um, with the tag team titles. I can't see them at this point in time, unless something crazy happened between now and then I couldn't see them like headlining a show with the tag team titles. Not, not with these two particular teams, even, even if, you know, there it's a beloved established tag team champion in the dangerous techers. And then, you know, big drawing guys like a, Naito and Sonata, like I, I find this to be like dubious at best. I I don't know. I think that this grouping could headline a you know a you know mid level show for sure. Why not? I mean, Naito's a huge star, right? People are really into the Techers act, and Sonata. I hear people like him. <laughs> yeah. places. but like he's he's been in main events lots of main events right and tai chi and zack saber jr are actually probably like a a step down you know in the sense of stature and in, in singles but they've had a really good run as tags it's in, it's more interesting because i don't know there's probably a good group of people who want to see naito and sonata win and see what happens there it's kind of like when ibushi and tanahashi were um doing golden aces right so right you know, I, don't, I mean, these shows aren't massive. They're not huge shows. They'll draw, I mean, who knows with COVID times, but, you know, maybe three, 4,000, right? So, like, if that's all the tickets you guys sell, then, I don't know, it could be, that could be a main event. Yeah. It, I, I, I guess. 
Go ahead, Jeremy. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, yeah, the the Summer Struggle Tour is going from July 10th to August 1st. That's a lot of shows, and you're going to need some different unique main events. So I wouldn't, even if it's one of the Cork and Hall shows, I would definitely do, um, you know, a a Dangerous Techers versus Night Hill Sonata as one of the main events. Because also, you're not going to do IWGP title match. You're probably only going to get one during Summer Struggle Tour. You know, Shingo and Ibushi on one of those shows, and then... Maybe Jay White, David Finley, maybe a never title match, but you're going to need some title matches in some of these main events. Yeah, I mean, um, that's probably true. And who knows, like, maybe I'm off base, you know, especially just considering, like, the way that things are this year. Um, It seems like anything's possible. (laughs) But, like, you know, you kind of brought up a point there, Chris, when you mentioned, like, Tanahashi and Ibushi. But, like, honestly, I couldn't see them having headlined a mid-level show with even that pair. You know what I'm saying? So I with I know it's a different time now, but like I just couldn't see them turning around and doing that this year. Um but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm discounting the uh the drawing ability of those guys. I feel like they could like maybe semi main event, but I just feel like they've conditioned their audience to not consider the tag team titles to be a big deal. Well I think Part of this is that they're, you know, they kind of they book out a prog- enough programs for one big show, right? And then they have to split it across one big tour, right? And that's kind of what they're doing right now. And and you know, even even not having, you know, they they've already announced the junior tag title match. They've already announced the six man title match. We all know what the t- tag title match is going to be like. All the titles are tied up with the program but they spread all the matches across, you know, what three or four or five big shows. So, you know, I think, I think the tag title with those names in it is going to have to main event something. And, and I won't be surprised if it doesn't, if they attach it to the, you know, if they really go after one of those nights and they attach it to the IWGP uh, world heavyweight, but um, it also won't surprise me if they're if they're headlining. I mean, you can put Tetsuya Naito in any sort of main event, and people will come in droves. So, well, well here's the thing. Um, I'm gonna uh, say I'm right, and then if I end up being wrong, then <laughs> we're never gonna address it again and just move on. So, <laughs> but if I'm right, I'm gonna gloat over how you guys were just so off base, and I I, I had my finger on the pulse, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just did see Dangerous Checkers and G.O.D. main event Cork and Hall show, so, and there's several Cork and Hall shows on this tour, so. Several is an undersell. I could, I mean, yeah, I could see them doing that, but I feel, I feel like it's like this type of match is too big to maybe main event one of those, but too small to be like the headliner of a bigger show. That's the way I kind of feel about mm. it. But, dude, this year with New Japan, like, it almost feels like a lot of the rules are just kind of out the window. I mean, we're going to talk, but like almost up and down during our predictions last week, I was wrong, which is not, you know, normal for me, but it's just like new Japan is really unpredictable this year. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe you guys are right. <laughs> uh, next question here from stale burger bun. He says, do you think Naito's, Naito's days with the top belt are done? Oh, yeah, he's washed, completely done. He's <laughs> never going to touch the gold again. I don't think they should even ever use him in a headline singles placement ever again. Like, you know, you want to see, see someone repel people from, you know, buildings, put Naito in, in the singles. Like, I don't even know if he's going to be in the G1 this year is the way I feel. 
Yeah, G one it's very tough competition. I think he should be it like he's probably like close to dad status at this point, right? <laughs> Throw him in there, open opening tags. Him and Hanma, right? <laughs> we never we never did get the, the uh Naito Hanma singles match, did we? We did not. Hanma cannot survive a, a Naito singles match. He, they they lived their feud out in the undercards and the tags and, and that man got destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I think Naito's one of the guys on that roster that you can heat up about as fast as anyone. Yeah. So, so I don't think his days with the top belt are done, especially given how his, what was supposed to be his big reign went and COVID, you know, all, all that, everything. COVID, evil, 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 <laughs> more COVID, probably another evil match. Um, I think how that reign went, I think there's a, there's good chance that he gets another one that feels a little different. Right. And plus he he still has the goal of trying to win his first IWGP world heavyweight title that they could always run. I mean, in my opinion, he held it. He held both belts at the same time. That's the world heavyweight title. So, you know, (laughs) it's going to be a conundrum like 20 years from now. People are going to be really confused when they're looking back at the records. Like, wait, who's what? When? How does what happened? I don't get it. Um, my my feeling about Naito is basically he's his generation's Chono. You know, he's he's the dark horse of of the uh, you know of his Musketeers. Like he just reminds me a lot of Chono. Like I don't think he will ever be seen as the absolute pinnacle ace ever, but he will always be in you know in contention or you know holding the title or winning G ones. He'll you know, until until his time at the top is done, like he's a license to print money. So why wouldn't he have another title reign at some point? Like there's, he's gonna win the title at some point, I assume. Yeah, and I, I think there is money in doing a, a Naito Shingo title match. Shingo brought his name up in post match comments, um, and so and clearly Lij's always kind of had that competitive like rivalry. They kind of want to always one up each other. And they had an excellent match in the G1, so I think that's that's a, a money main event right there. Whether you do that in the Dome or some other big show, Naito and Shingo that'll match. No, they're friends though, so that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> they're loosely associated by the same group. Yeah. <laughs> they're rarely seen together. Nah, they grew up together. They're the, they're best friends. Uh, next question came, from came up under Hamaguchi. They made a promise to him. Yeah, they would never fight each other. Their, their bond is strong. <laughs> Except for in G1s when it's mandated. Other than that, they won't do it. <laughs> uh, last question here on this match from Dom Homie 101. Thoughts on Naito and Tanada going for the IWGB Tag Team Heavyweight Championships? Why not? Yeah. Let's do it, right? I mean, like, I don't know, put a couple of good heavyweights that aren't up to anything together from the same group. Have them fight somebody else. Maybe it'll be awesome. Maybe they'll win. Maybe it'll become a thing. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I I love using guys like this, like putting them in a situation that is different and, uh, you know, unfamiliar. And, you know, at least they've got an excuse to lose and it'll be surprising whoever takes the pin. It was, you know, I mean, all that. You, you It can establish a lot of kind of forward-looking feuds too. Just before the pandemic last year we did a podcast with chris where we were contemplating could you know what would happen if like 
Golden Ace won the titles. And basically, Chris, you know, summed up exactly what our all of our feelings were at the time. And this is just another example of the same sort of, you know, situation. So I feel like we're all in favor of it. <laughs> Plus, like right now, again, Naito, he's not, you know, in title contention. He's kind of been, you know, um, floundering around this year. He had a, a brief feud with Great Ocon, but nothing of uh, substance. This might be the first real substantial thing that he's been involved with in 2020. Uh, are we in 2021? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I get my years mixed up. So yeah, in 2021, this is the first uh, real. You know, he didn't do anything substantial in 2020 either. So I mean, I don't even count the evil feud. So <laughs> this is this is the most substantial thing he's been involved with since like Kenta attacked him at the dome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, I'm, I'm all in agreement with you guys, all in on Naito and Sonata teaming and going after tag titles here. I mean, we just got Dangerous Techers versus G.O.D. for six months. I, I don't want that again, so we, we definitely need some fresh teams here. We got several factions in New Japan, like you mentioned, Chris, put, put heavyweights together that aren't doing anything, you know? Why not have, you know, Goto and Ishii and, you know, Kenta and Jay White, whoever, you know, throw together heavyweights that aren't doing anything go against the, the tag champs and so obviously Sonata and Naito both kind of in a low right now so yeah put them together big names help them draw in, in a semi-main event main event situation and helps uh, raise prestige of the tag team titles so I'm all for it and, and on a serious note this is something they need to have already been uh doing like since last year because they got rid of the IC belt and the red belt is over in America and the never belt is kind of relegated to like this number two spot, but they just, you know, if there's not going to be as many singles prizes for guys to go after, then, you know, in a stacked company like this, they need to be utilizing their, their other top guys in a tag capacity. I mean, it worked really, really well for all Japan in the nineties. I don't see why new Japan couldn't do the same. Great. So move on to the third match of the night. We had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. El Desperado defeats Yo, 23 minutes, 40 seconds. Question from Dom Hardy 101. Thoughts on the overall matchup that took place between Yo and El Desperado? I think it, it, this match depended on how you feel about Yo as a competitor. <laughs> you know, I mean, he for a guy that's not very prominent, um usually just like in general in new japan like he's people seem to have very strong feelings about yo so um you know if you didn't if you don't like him and you're not invested you probably didn't get much out of this match there's a lot of big el desperado fans at the moment i think he's built up quite the following and, and people really like what he's up to and i think he's a great um goodwill junior champion while Hiromu's out and and you know we'll see where that goes once Hiromu's back but um yeah I mean I think most of most of the feedback I've seen about this match revolves around how people generally felt about Yo I don't know if anyone thought Yo was gonna win this match um and that's always a, a problem when you're in a championship match but the work was good um creative the pace was good el desperado is great right now he's on top of his game so um a fun a fun match but again i don't think i for a second thought yo was going to win this thing um some pretty inflammatory remarks that you made about uh desperado a goodwill placeholder champion while Hiromu's out <sighs> <laughs> I'm shaking my head. Did we lose Chris? 
Uh, I think he uh, hopped off camera for a second there. Okay, he didn't get to hear me bury him. That's okay. Uh, no, I was playing. But um, in all seriousness, I, I liked I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> Just over here eating a piece of pizza. I didn't think you needed me to, you needed to see that. <laughs> oh, my God. That's pretty funny. Anyways, um, you know, this is like calling him a good little junior. Like, come on, this this man this man has uh, headlined some big shows this year. But um, in all seriousness, I will say this: um, I liked this junior match way more than I liked Show and Hiromu this past year. Um, I thought it was very good. I was a little, I guess, bored of the legwork because while I do understand that it's logically going to be part of the story, just based on what's happened between them in the past and the injury that Yo's coming off of, I mean, it's been months now and he already showed that he could like win titles while overcoming, overcoming the leg injury and all the like heat that uh, Desperado put on the leg prior to the match was, you know, was like a whole tour ago before the match got canceled. So I don't know. I just felt like maybe they should have shifted a little bit of the attention off of that. Otherwise, like Chris said, the work was really good. One thing I noticed that I liked a lot was when the match started, Yo kind of came ever since he's returned, he's kind of come with this like invigorated, like, you know, new energy and attitude and, even some of his offense and he has a new finisher and everything like that. But towards the end of the match, when like he was getting his ass beat by Desperado, did you notice that he just kind of reverted back to the wacky roll-up guy that we used to like say he was? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that was his last like <laughs> bit of defense was like, okay, nothing I've done has worked. I'm going to go for roll-ups. And that, and this motherfucker tried to roll him up like seven or eight times. And like, I was biting on them. I was like, Oh, he's going to do it. Uh, it. It didn't work. And ultimately like, you know, Desperado got him out of there with hitting big power moves. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it made both guys look good. I think um, long-term like, yo, as a character, as a singles guy, has a little bit more work to do from a character standpoint. Um, just because they, they, they had like, Desperado go over super strong and super clean on him. So, you know, that tells me that he's not ready storyline wise for Desperado. You know, he's kind of a cut above him at this point in time, but thought the match was good. I'm like, I don't know, four stars. Yeah, I, I thought the match was very good too. I'm about three points out of five on it. Like you guys said, work was very good throughout the match. There was a couple things working against the match for me personally. One, I feel like Desperado has cooled off a lot since the you know big match with Hiromu and kind of just lost mm-hmm. some, some steam there due to the pandemic and just kind of scheduling and how the lack of juniors uh, in Japan right now. Um, also, you mentioned that Crystal Fio, I, I didn't feel like Yo was uh, credible enough to go ahead and beat Desperado here as a challenger. And then something you mentioned, Josh, with, with the knee selling, and we talked about this before when they had the rematch with um, Despi and Kanemaru. It was like, all right, they already told a story. Like, yo, the knee is fine. He can overcome. So I agree with you. They, sh- they probably should have pivoted, try to tell some other kind of story. Um, but they did kind of have some callbacks there to Desperado when he was, um, when he beat, I believe when he beat Hiromu, when he attacked the Hiromu's knee with the chair and got the win that way. So we kind of had that same setup here. Ref got distracted when he threw the bucket in. 
hit Yo with the chair on the bad knee there, and that kind of was kind of the beginning of the end for Yo. And like you mentioned, Josh Desperado just really kind of outpowered him here and uh, ends up getting the win. So, but overall, still a very good match. Something else too, it wasn't your your um your typical junior style match. Also, you know, normally no. when you think junior heavyweight wrestling in New Japan, you're thinking you know high flying flips, diving, you know crazy spots. You you think in Osprey Ricochet, you're thinking. Uh, you know, Kushida, you think Hiromu, you think of all these, you know, high flyers, high pace action, and it wasn't quite that. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've seen a lot of kind of, uh, I wouldn't say totally negative, but lower kind of grading and feedback online for this match than I sort of expected. I think a lot of the factors we brought up probably play into it, but the thing that you just touched on, Jeremy, I think that a lot of the audience is conditioned to always see junior style wrestling in, in new japan as being you know you know all lucha based you know and this wasn't like that this actually reminded me a lot i one of the reasons i did like it is because it reminded me of like the 90s junior style where it was real gritty real hard hitting much more strong style based that's not to say they didn't do any high flying but they it, they had a big mix of a lot of submission holds a lot of you know counters and strikes like, I don't know. I liked it. It's got a 7.30 on cage match, which I think is kind of crazy. But, yeah. Um, I, I think another thing that kind of works against it is just the fact that it is show, or that it is Yo and Desperado. And while we haven't seen them on the main stage have a singles match, we've seen them wrestle each other probably like 15 million times. <laughs> yeah. And that might have something to do with why people aren't that into it. True. Uh, so post match, we had ELP and Taiji Ishimori coming out. Uh, first, ELP has the mic. He calls out uh, Sho and Yo. They want a, a match for the junior tag titles. Since he has a scoop, he dropped a scoop that at Kazuna Road they would be challenging for the titles. And then it seems like he was about to challenge Despy, but then Taiji grabs the mic from him and tells Despy that he will be coming for him. Wasn't happy about you know Yo jumping the jumping the line there, and that he will be coming after Desperado at some point. Yeah, I, I think those are fine. Uh, Ishimori and Desperado should be great. Um, and I guess who else is going to challenge for the junior belts right now? Yeah, there's kind of a similar um, situation happening where uh, some of the same guys are being circulated within different um, title pictures, you know, uh, just because they're kind of working with a – skeleton crew and you know a lot of guys aren't in the country stuff like that but it doesn't really seem to be affecting like say the heavyweight title picture is that bad because a lot of those guys are kind of heated up and have a lot of goodwill whereas like the juniors just don't have that same sort of heat behind them right now so it's like it's, it's being booked very similarly they're using the same guys and just rotating them but um i don't know like for me like yeah desperado and and um Ishimori should be really, really good, but like I feel like I've seen that match a lot. I, I just I I don't know. Ishimori was champion not that long ago and he got beat pretty clean. I don't know. I think the I mean just while we're on it, the junior title scene and the the new Japan, you know, junior scene has always been really international. That's um, true. Right? And then I mean just Mexico and the UK and, and the US and the Japanese guys too. And right. But like, if you look at any good best of super juniors roster, it's, it is way more international than even your typical G1. So 
I mean, that's that it's it's been tough for that division in in you know in specific because of you know you don't have guys like Dragon Lee who you've you had established as one of your your new top guys, and even guys like Bandito or anyone else they had access to on the junior side that could come in and heat up and do a full tour and you could do a defense and be done with it. Right. Even, right. even if it's just one tour that you build up to a defense and, and make it happen for the big show, like they, they haven't been able to do that. So they're really just kind of cycling through the half dozen juniors that they have on the roster. And then you lose Hiromu. Um, that's, that's tough. That's tough. That's a tough run. So um, I think if you put, you know, you have Hiromu just mow these guys down and then Dragon Lee shows back up, maybe that's a good run, but yeah, that, you know, even that is, um, you know, we've seen Hiromu fight most of these guys too. So it's a, it's a tough run for, you know, what's usually one of my favorite titles to keep an eye on um, because of the fact that people kind of float in and out of the, of the picture. So I'll, you know, I'm looking forward to borders, opening back up at some point and what the junior division looks like, because I think it'll be really fresh. Yeah. I mean, you just look at new Japan strong and a lot of the, the junior type wrestlers are bringing in there. You know, they brought back ACH. There's, you know, the the report of Leo rush being signed to a contract in new Japan. So you would know like Leo rush would be a fresh, you know, guy in the scene. There's some fresh matchups there. And there's a ton of juniors that they've been bringing into strong. You know, we've, we've seen amazing red in the past in the States. And so there's a ton of guys that they could bring into freshen up that division, get some fresh matchups, have a great, you know, two block best of a super junior, but we, yeah, we can't get that until we get this uh, pandemic situation kind of cleared up and uh, get cases down in Japan. You know, one thing that could happen, um, this just kind of an idea when all the, when all this pandemic's kind of behind us and touring resumes and everything like that, um, I wouldn't be opposed to them maybe potentially having whoever the junior champion is at that time, likely like, let's say Hiromu come over, you know, and do a tour defending the title in America or, you know, wherever that would be like that, because that's a title that like, yeah, while it is important, they can easily still do business in Japan without it. But if they, if they book it with the right guys here in America, I feel like that, that you could do, pretty good numbers, you know, especially if you did like say Dragon Lee and Hiromu or, you know, for instance, I don't know, like you said, some of the guys you mentioned, Leo Rush, ACH, something like that, you know, or even on strong, you know, down the line. Yeah, definitely. So then we move on to the semi main event of the evening. We have the golden star Kota Ibushi defeating the hatchet Jeff Cobb, 14 minutes and 54 seconds. What do you guys think about this one? Um, I adore this match. I really, really, really liked this match a lot. Um, it's probably going to be a controversial opinion, but I like this match better than the main event. This was my match of the night, um, easily for me. Um, and I think this is the best I've ever seen Jeff Cobb look. And I think a lot of that has to do with Kotobushi, you know, making him look good. But I mean, if you go back a few years ago, there's a match between Cobb and Goto from one of those LA shows for like the never title. And I was pretty critical of it. And I was critical of like Jeff Cobb. And I'd said like that there's a lot more I wanted to see from him. This is what I was talking about. I don't, I've always wanted Jeff Cobb to kind of be like the next embodiment of like your Dr. Deaths or your Vader's or even like how Elgin, Elgin really came off that way, you know, like a Steiner brother. 
And Jeff Cobb's never felt that way to me in this company. And I always felt like he had all the potential to do that. And in this match, he totally felt that way. And then some, I mean, everything he did was like so hard hitting and crisp. The, the ground and pound was vicious as fuck. Like, I mean, one, one thing that might help you to understand why I like this match so much too, is the structure of it. Like one of my favorite matches of all time is like Vader and Ric Flair, you know, um, another one of my favorite matches is John Cena and Brock Lesnar where Brock Lesnar like mauled him, you know? So those, those stories, like I'm not someone who always has to have the same kind of match structure. And this match structure worked really well for me. One where Kotobushi was fighting for his survival to prove that, you know, he is still God <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't a fluke and Jeff Cobb's just like trying to murder this man. And like, you know, finish the work that Osprey started and um like Abushi survived Jeff Cobb and it was awesome and like I, I just I don't know like I I thought that a lot of the stuff they did here was really 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 dynamic and exciting it reminded me in a, in a lot of ways the match Jeff Cobb had with uh Shingo in the Dome this year so yeah just just great stuff here yeah, I loved it. I mean, these are two of my favorite guys right now, Ibushi and Cobb. So, and I think they built the feud. This was one of the best built grudge match feuds, like without a title, that New Japan's done in in a very long time. I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, like that was cool to see too. I mean, the their their brawl at the end of that last Korokin on the the last Road to Dominion show was just it was awesome. It went on for way longer than you thought it would be. You know, they tried to pull them apart and they got back together, you know, and like you just don't see that very often in New Japan. And it wasn't this big, you know, bring out 30 guys so Ibushi can jump off into a, you know, a puddle <laughs> of dudes. Like, it wasn't like that. It wasn't that kind of pull apart. It was like this two guys that just wanted to beat the hell out of each other. And um, and it was that was part of a really good build. The build prior to that was also really good with you know, Cobb using Ibushi's finisher and Ibushi selling it like death. I mean, like he took a Kabagoye and just like looked like he was dead, which is how you sell your own finisher. Like, <laughs> you know, you're trying to get you in turn, you're getting the, you know, your own move over. So this was awesome. There was a part of me that even, even as a Kota Ibushi fan, uh, he's probably my favorite wrestler ever. Um, I wanted to see Cobb win this though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that's, that's the only thing that I, I did. I kind of wanted to see Cobb win it. I don't think it would have hurt Ibushi one bit, especially if he wasn't getting back into the title picture, which is not how things played out. And we'll obviously get to that. But, um, honestly, like if Cobb won and then the same main event happens, same, you know, same result in the main event happens and, and, and Shingo calls out Cobb or Cobb walks out to defend the honor of his friend. That's cool too. Right. So I, yeah, and I, I don't doubt that that's a direction they could have gone. Maybe they don't feel like Cobb's a legitimate contender for that particular title yet. Um, and I, I understand that. I don't think he's quite at that level, but I, shoot, man, that Tokyo Dome match was good. So at least you could run that back. But um the match itself was awesome. Cobb looked like a monster. I mean, Cobb as a heel is the best thing that ever happened in his career. Uh, big monster heel. I think he's surpassed Elgin. I think he's surpassed some of these, you know, some of the other attempts at the new, you know, the new big monster heel. So 
I uh, I'm a big fan of this match. I would I I, I got to go back and watch it again. I've watched the main event twice, I, and I meant to bounce back to this, but then New Japan decided to do some system last <laughs> night, and I was just like, okay, guess I'm done. I guess I'm going to bed. So yeah, yeah, New Japan, don't do maintenance the day after you have like one of your biggest shows of the year. Like, come on, yeah, not yeah. a good look. Yeah, I also uh, love this match. This match was awesome. I mean, it, it just felt like a fight. And like you mentioned, like Kota Ibushi just fighting for survival here. Uh, Well-built-up feud here. And just some really cool spots. And, like, Ibushi just made just Cobb look like the, the, the biggest monster in the world. I mean, the, the F5000 where he just had Ibushi, you know, yeah. spinning around forever. Just tossed that man, yeeted that man in the ring that was awesome um abushi super frankensteiner to Cobb was was dope as well um like you mentioned the, the, the kabagoye cell and abushi did like yeah abushi looked like his lights were out um i i popped the, the the top rope uh moon salt to the outside yeah um i popped for um Cobb kicking out of the first kamagoya even though i know you know, the Kamigoye with the knee is, you know, the, the weaker Kamigoye now. I still kind of pop because I feel like a regular Kamigoye in the past would put someone like Cobb away, but Cobb kicked out. Right. Like, that was pretty big. Like you mentioned, Chris, like, I, I wanted Cobb to, to win this match. I just feel like he, he's done great work. He's in, in the prime right now. He's figured it all out. And, you know, Josh, you mentioned in the past we, we, we kind of criticized him in its early on in New Japan run, and I, I think part of that was just him. I think he was kind of maybe doing like, the indie style or trying to make his style trying to to fit in with new japan and now he's well acclimated to the new japan style and he you know, he's not trying he's not trying to fit in he's just he's just doing it and, and, and his style yeah. now is working and meshing with these guys and he's just killing guys with these awesome power moves and the multiple variations of getting into the tour of the island the, the spin cycle suplex and just all the crazy power moves that he, he does now and then now you add into the striking game and him you know Doing the, the Kabagoye and like he's just he's just a beast, he's a monster, and he's definitely somebody I'm gonna have my eyes on when it comes G1 season. So I think he's going to have one hell of a G1 this year. Yeah, I think um, it, it's kind of interesting. This match only went like just under 15 minutes, which was a nice change of pace. Um, I felt like they could have fed some of the junior title match time to this one, but that's okay. I did see some criticisms about cop kicking out of the Kamigoye, which I'm not opposed to. Um, you know, I, I like when, you know, finishers are sort of protected and like Abushi just seems to always get his finishers under in short order. Like <laughs> <laughs> whatever his finisher is, like people are going to like, he loves for people to kick out of his finishers. Like that's when, when the last ride was his finisher. Like you had to, like, if you're a big name, you had to eat like two or three of those, like, you know, to lose. So um, I kind of get it, but yeah, this match was just freaking awesome. And um, the one thing with Jeff, I kind of thought he might win just because with the Bush or with the Osprey's injury, Osprey sort of made the announcement that like Cobb is sort of like spiritually leading the group at this point in his absence. And I thought that maybe that would be the story that they go with. But I think ultimately with the, you know, the, the, outcome of the main event and you know this being a de facto number one contender match they were sort of already teasing the iwgp title match that's to come and building it for a little bit there anyway so i feel like that's the direction that they've decided to go but um yeah i think jeff cobb did a lot 
to raise his stock, especially with the power vacuum that's kind of created right now with, you know, all the different situations that are going on that I've, you know, before I would have said, I never really thought Jeff Cobb could win an IWGP title, but now I'm like, I don't see why not. Mm. Yeah. And I, so I think there, there's a, there's a stat that, that, uh, demonstrates Jeff Cobb's growth. So in last year's G1, Kota Ibushi's fastest win was against Jeff Cobb in, in just over 10 minutes. Um, and not to say that going 15 is, you know, any, any huge feat, but I think his showing in that match with Ibushi was not, um, I don't, you know, I don't know that anyone got anything out of it, but I think his showing in this match with Ibushi, he showed dominance. He showed what he can do. He showed that he could be a player at a, at a top level in a, at least a semi-main, right? Which is where he was and he delivered and, and Ibushi obviously delivered too. Um, so I think that, you know, I think Cobb is a player going forward. And I, you know, I don't know that he could step into Will Ospreay's shoes, but I think he could, I mean, you know, you hate to say it, that's what, this is what sucks about the IC title being gone. Right. Because like, this is where you say he could grow and, and be the on, next IC champ, be right, the IC yeah. guy. Right. And, you know, so say if you're looking at empire, you've got, um, if you, if you're just talking about singles champs, you've got, you know, Will Ospreay is always going to be going after the IWGP World Heavyweight. You've got maybe Jeff Cobb, who would be going after the IC. You've got Okan, who might live in Neverland for a little while. And then you've got Hanare, who could go after the U.S. if it ever comes back, right? So, like, that would be the perfect breakout for those guys. And, like, that's their tier system. But now Jeff Cobb, who has already spent time with the Never Openweight Championship – kind of in its i guess its previous iteration um you know of course he could get back into that picture but that's not as exciting so well, that that sucks <laughs> it, it does and i agree with you and I've, I've voiced my opinions about this you know super strongly on the show but i think we're just getting to the point where like we have to as fans accept that the, that the never titles just a, a whole new thing than it was ever before and it really falls on whoever's carrying it, a.k.a. Jay White, and the booking committee to treat it as such. And um, so far, they've done an okay job of it. It still doesn't feel as important as that white belt did, in my opinion. But that's pretty much what it is. It's the number two belt, and they need to do a better job getting it to that point so that when it's ready for a guy like Jeff Cobb to win it, it doesn't feel like we're just – treading over old territory again. Right. And, you know, um, they've been doing some U.S. title defenses with Mox on Dynamite and Strong. I think Jeff Cobb's a guy. You know, he's, he's going back to the States after the uh, right now. I think it'd be cool to do a, a Mox-Cobb title match, and I feel like Cobb has built up the credibility enough to beat Moxley. I mean, it seems like the plans are to keep the belt on him for a while, but if they ever do want to get somebody to beat him and take the belt back over, I think Cobb right now would be a great choice. Man, I don't know. I feel like they're not. I feel like they're not gonna like let anybody beat Mox for that title, <laughs> <laughs> unless it's like Kazushiko Okada or something. Like, <laughs> not until he's back in Japan. I don't think. I don't think Mox is losing that title in the U.S. Even like, even if like, for instance, like, I don't know if like Tanahashi went over there. I can't like, you know, what I'm saying like, I don't see anybody beating him unless like it's like the tip top guys because that's just the way that they. I feel like they've treated him. Yeah. 
I don't know. I would love it. I would love it if, if a guy like Jeff Cobb won that title. Um, I would actually like it if maybe like a domestic guy won it though. <laughs> 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 it's pretty much like the white boy belt right now. Like. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Let's move on to the big main event here for the vacant IWGP World Heavyweight Title. We had the big shock win here. Takagi time. The dragon. Shingo Takagi defeats Kazuchika Okada 36 minutes. Shingo Takagi is the new and third IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Guys, thoughts on the matchup? We did it. This is a team. This is a team victory. <laughs> we, we we're taking. We did it. We're taking uh, everyone, <laughs> the whole fandom. We all did it. <laughs> I mean, the match was great. Uh, I I think I preferred honestly probably both of their other singles matches to this one it, it, from a specifically just from a work standpoint. But the result. And how they got to the result was very surprising for me. No big showing from um, Okada. No no big comeback sequence, really. Like, um, once things turned around, Shingo hit that Rainmaker. From there, the fuse was lit. He hit the, the sliding elbow, the last of the dragon. I mean, he just, he went to town um, from that point forward. So, Shingo... I was shocked that Okada didn't have a big kick out. Oh, shocked face, you know, and then like come back after it. Like red shoes just slapped the mat three times and the match was over. And I was like, wait, what? Like nobody, nobody kicks out last of the dragon though. Right. I don't think anyone ever has. No, nobody has. Which was, but I mean, if anyone was going to, and in any situation, no yeah absolutely this would have been it right like and that would have been surprising too maybe would have elicited the same (gasps) response that i gave when they hit the mat the third time but um i don't know that was it was even more surprising because you know i I think a lot of people turned on this match and thought like this would be good i can't wait to see okada with another rain and then they put it on shingo and that's the best thing that they could do right now they needed a positive surprise for the fan base and we all needed this like i'm energized by new japan you know and and i'm not a i'm not a downer on the product usually but i mean i look back and we were talking about before we went on the air like i look back at dominion last year and i was like whoa what are we doing who is the chant like why did we just do this so that was an evil one by the way um (laughs) So, so the last the last two years, if you think about it, yeah, how oh, how, how, how we left after the Jericho match, yeah, right. But at least that was just a whatever. Like that was at least you still had Okada, the champ, right? But right. like, and you had you had hyped up some really good G one uh, entrance during that Dominion too. So there's a lot to be excited about. But this is what this is what New Japan needed. This is what New Japan needed to do. It's almost like all the turmoil internally over there you know rumored turmoil internally over there maybe they knew that this was coming to a head and you know to be perfectly honest like shingo's the champ shingo's the guy that's carried this company for a year now i mean in regards to classic in-ring new japan pro wrestling shingo's been the guy 
who they put out there. They trot out there with the never belt in the special singles match. Like you name it. He's the guy that's shown up and this is his prize for showing up through a really challenging time and just wrestling and being kind of funny in his promos a little bit and showing up and, and showing up as best for a very long time. And I mean, the dude is a star you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be like Naito Okada level star, but he's going to be a hell of a champion. And I, I don't know how long the reign's going to go. No one knows anything about that. But, you know, if this is a gold watch for being the guy to carry the company through COVID, then or if it's a turning point for this belt to establish it as, you know, a great pro wrestling, uh, you know, world title, then I'm here for that, too. So I'm I'm a big fan of this win. Yeah, a lot of the. um stats and, and and obviously chris you're the stats guy and you know we, we there was a big deal that was made at the time when abushi you know finally won the iwgp title uh being that it put him in kind of like rare you know um in, in a rare place being the fact that he was an outsider domestically and only a handful of guys ever won the big belt uh, granted this is a different title. And so a lot of that stuff is out of, you know, kind of thrown out the, you know, thrown out there. Um, I think spiritually is still kind of, especially since that title was just so recently, you know, active, you know, this is the second time in, in this year, in this calendar year that we're getting, uh, a domestic outsider who didn't come up through the Nogue Dojo system, winning the title. The first guy ever that's a Dragon Gate product to win the IWGP title, which is a big deal. I mean, like that's crazy sounding. And I mean, you, you kind of look at the path that he, he went through um, being brought in as sort of like the fourth or fifth man in LIJ. Uh, you know, I, I can only speculate as to the reasons why, but I think a lot of it had to do with the, the fact that they had a junior opening with Hiromu being out for so long and injured. And they sort of put him in, you know, power junior uh position and um granted they did push him really well and they utilized him very well early on so you could make an argument say like they they had plans like this for him all along but i don't know i felt like from the moment he came in the company like the idea of him being the world champion even though he already was one of the best wrestlers ever (laughs) before he even came to new japan um i felt like that was just something that would never ever happen based on his status as an outsider, based on his size, based on his age, and based on the shark-infested waters that New Japan really was at the time when he came in. And then to see his trajectory and his growth and, you know, him overcome obstacle after obstacle and challenge after challenge. And then, like you said, how he kind of carried and elevated the company during this COVID period, um, it, it truly was a delight to see him finally win the title and kind of reached the pinnacle of this company, which is just, just so awesome. And, um, you know, last week I was very wrong. I gave a lot of reasons that I didn't think he would win. But the one thing I am glad, we averted him losing in the big spot three times in a row this calendar year, which I'm glad for. I'm glad that they kind of have coronated him and given him this moment and had him win the big one. Um, it, it felt really special. Um, I know there's a lot we could talk about the match. I'm going to give it to you, Jeremy. But the one thing I will say is when when he hit that last of the dragon, there for me, because I just think that it's one of the most protected moves and I've never seen him kick out of it. As soon as he hit it, my hand went to my mouth. I just went like, 
And I was like, oh my God, he won. <laughs> I knew he won before they ever started counting. I was like, that's fucking it. He just beat Okada. And like, so there was no one, two, three, oh my God. It was boom, he hit the ground. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, he did it. And I just stood there, like me and my girlfriend were watching. She's like, holy shit. And like, I just like held my like hand over my mouth. I couldn't believe it. Uh, really awesome moment. Yeah, man, this this is awesome. This this had me energized. I uh, you know I I knew it was gonna be a great matchup. I decided to watch the show live. It was only a five a.m. you know start time here on on the East Coast. I was like, you know what, the card looks great. I'm I'm gonna get up you know an hour and a half early and I'm gonna watch this show. And I'm glad I did because I would have. I don't think I would have gotten the the emotion I got if I got spoiled going into this matchup. And so going in unspoiled was great. And yeah, man, I'm just sitting there on the couch, you know, watching this match. You know, it's 7:30, whatever time it is, and it's a great match. Match is a masterpiece, and uh, you know, he he hits the last of the dragon, and I was thinking, oh, here's here's a big kick out. Kyle's kicking out. Here we go. <laughs> you know, we were all right last week. You know, they're gonna put the back belt back on. You know, their golden boy, the ace. You know, they need to you know make sure business is good, whatever. I was like, here we go. One, two, three. I literally jumped out the couch. I was like, oh, my God. He, he won. He won. Shingo won. He beat him. Shingo, I was so freaking happy that Shingo won. Like you guys mentioned, it was like it's a great move there. It's a great energizing moment for the fan base and for the product. Shingo uh, has quickly become one of my favorite wrestlers uh, coming into New Japan. Uh, and we, we talked about the moment. But I want to talk about the match a little bit because I, I feel like this match was a, a master class. And I feel like there was so many story um, telling elements throughout this match, you know, uh, Okada coming back uh, from the, you know the the back injury and coming back from COVID, uh, and Shingo just targeting the back, targeting the the midsection, trying to make it hard uh, for Okada to breathe and work over that injured back. You know, you, you had the made in Japan on the on the outside, that big thud, uh, and just you know Shingo was embodying Roddy Strong in this match. He was the Messiah of the backbreaker, and he was literally just destroying Okada's back all throughout this match and then you ha- did you like did you like how even though it's a back injury that Okada's coming off of quote unquote he treated all of his offense as just being torso based offense like it was a WWE game and like he just needed to get that body part into like the, red. the orange or yeah. the red yeah, well, you know, he was you know attacking the ribs too because you know making sure it was hard for him to breathe, come back yeah. from COVID, gut, gut buster, <laughs> right? Oh, your back's hurt. Take this punch <laughs> to the stomach. <laughs> uh, and then you know with Okada, you know working it. I know everybody hates the money clip, but I mean I, I loved it here in this match because that was a big part of the, the history of Okada and Shingo and taking it back to the G one match where Shingo passed out uh, from the money clip and Shingo was so quickly. To, to grab the ropes at pretty much any instance he got locked in that money clip, and he did not spend much time in that money clip. A lot of great counters from uh, the Rainmakers and, and the Last of the Dragons. Um, Shingo hit like a super like Death Valley driver slam thing off the top rope at one point, and man, just a lot of great back and forth, and then that, that closing stretch there where Shingo just killed him with that running forearm, and Okada looked like he was freaking dead. And then, yeah, gets him up for the last of the dragon. One, two, three. We get the streamers coming down. We get the music. We get the belt being strapped around Shingo. We have a new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, and I love it. 
Can we talk about how good this particular belt looks on Shingo too, though? It's like shaped just right. It's it's such a weird thing to say, but it, it <laughs> like he's got this big barrel <laughs> chest and he gets smaller in the in the in the middle, right? So like this belt is built that way. It just like enhances Shingo's look. I like I he put it on. And I was like, damn, that looks good. That's what I say to myself every time I see Shingo. <laughs> no, actually, in all honesty, I I was uh, when when they put the title around his waist, I was like, you know, that thing like barely fits around his waist because like he actually, even though like looks are a little deceiving, like he looks like a big beefy boy, and then you see like his his waist is actually very slender. And like they almost had to go on the very last notch, and the 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 rest of the belt was just like flapping. And I was like, "Come on, belts by Dan, get it together, okay? We need to have more of a, uh, you know, we need to be thinking about some more slender men that might be wearing this title, and stop worrying about, you know, the fat waists of Kota Ibushi." <laughs> I, I I have it on good authority that belts by Dan. Uh, informed new japan that the belt was potentially too long for a, a current it's wrestler too long it's, it's huge. too long yeah it's it's, it's very <laughs> long you know what's funny is like now now i think the story remember the story was um abushi's like i won't wear this belt around my waist until i've won it i think that that man tried to put it around his waist he's like guys it's too long like this shit don't fit <laughs> they're like well you know, go out there and say something. You've you've made everything else work up to this point that we've given you. And he's like, all right, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's a lot of things that were great. Um, one thing, like, um, he did – so one of the story elements in this match was the fact that Shingo has never been properly rainmakered by Kazushika Okada. Right. And then he did get hit with a couple variants of the rainmaker right. – but he did not get hit with the full Rainmaker. So we didn't even get Shingo kicking out of a Rainmaker. In fact, those variants that he got hit, when he got hit with them, Okada knew that that wasn't going to be enough, stood him up, got ready to go for the Rainmaker. And I believe the counter was um, was basically like a, a, a quick pumping bomber from Shingo right then and there to, to put Okada down, um, you know, taking a page out of Tanahashi's book. So you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is like through the three contests that he's had with uh, Okada, he's never been hit with Okada's big finishing move. Anytime Okada uh, did any of his signature stuff, even if he ended up hitting it later in the match, he was just very well scouted. I mean, like you mentioned, Jeremy, like he uh, Shingo had an answer for all of those um, money clips. Um you know, any even some of the drop kicks he had an answer for. He had an answer for the uh, for the um, whatever his finisher is. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why did I forget that? Yeah, the rainmaker. I don't know what's wrong. Um, so it's just like Shingo was just prepped and was just like, dude, like your shit's not going to work on me tonight. Like I've got your like you know. Last week I was like, I don't think they're going to tell a story where Shingo has his number. They told a story where Shingo has his number. Right, and they started teasing that too in the the interviews that they dropped right before Dominion with Okada and Chingo on uh, New Japan World, and Chingo talked about you know watching Okada and how Okada pretty much gave him what disrespected him when he first came in um, when he debuted. They were in a multi man tag chaos against Lij, and he talked about how Okada didn't even make eye contact with him, and how Okada's always kind of overlooked him, and that that pissed him off, and 
So yeah, he he's he's been scouting Okada. Post match, he talked about being at the Tokyo Dome 2013. He watched Okada. He watched the Rainmaker, and he said I, he knew that day that he would have to come up with a counter for the Rainmaker that he wouldn't be able to survive it. So uh, a lot of great storytelling there, and just kind of being on his game to to beat Okada. They had some great promos uh interviews between those two prior to the show we didn't get to cover it because it just dropped you know a few days before the actual event but okada was really funny just talking about like how the splitting the you know unifying the double titles was a mistake and you know he didn't like come out and say it but he basically was like all these all these guys that you guys have been trying to roll with instead of me you've been going the wrong way this company's in a malaise i'm the one that's got to save it and it kind of made me feel like he was going to win because like it just reinforced everything that I was already thinking. And then Shingo's like, nah, I got his number. Like I'm going to fuck him up. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys think with the last two wins, Shingo beating Okada twice in a row, they've established Shingo as kind of this big boss that like Okada needs to conquer. Or do you think the next time they have a, you know, a match, it, it's just going to be another match where you, you kind of go into it thinking like, ah, I think Okada's got this. I, I do think that they, it, here's the thing. Okada doesn't really have a lot going for him in, in terms of stories, you know, and it's something that we've talked about on the show, the three of us many times in the past, you know, um, when we talked about them unifying the belts, that was one of the things you brought up was like, at least now with a new title, he has a new goal to go after because what else was there left for him to accomplish? But I think if he has a new adversary that he can't beat, well, now, now things are a little bit more lively, you know, because that's a story element that's kind of lacking people ever since he dropped the title to Naito, people were like, where does he go from here? I think into like a feud where he can't beat Shingo, that sounds pretty like appealing to me, even if down the road, like, let's say someone beats Shingo and Okada wins that belt back. What if he has to defend against Shingo and he can't beat Shingo? <laughs> right. Like, I, I would love for, like, Shingo, the next time that, that, like, Shingo wins the belt, it's from Okada again. And, like, Okada just, you know, it's it's one of those, like, uh, they call it, like, fight math. You know, like, styles make fights. Some guy, like, just because this guy beat this guy doesn't mean – this guy can't beat this guy. You know, it's, it's all stylistically based. Like what if Shingo just has the answers for beating Okada where no one else does. And like, he's got the magic key. Right. You got to have the story of Okada, you know, not, he has to actually, you know, train really hard and prep and watch him tape and get ready and come up with a game plan to beat Shingo. Um, and, you know, not, not kind of wrestling on his laurels. You know, you know, I'm, I'm Okada. It's just this Dragon Gate guy. I'm just going to walk in, and, you know, Raymaker him real quick and get out of here. So I think it's a really compelling story to tell here with uh, Shingo and Okada. There's some other stuff I liked a lot. I liked uh, early on in the match, uh, Okada showing a lot more fire and getting a little bit more gritty with his strikes, which we don't usually see from him, especially early on in a match. So it almost felt like he was getting dragged a little bit into fighting Shingo's fight as opposed to his own. Um, I noticed that. And then, yeah, that that big uh, made in Japan on the outside, with, bro, so nasty. An- another thing, too, I know that um, people don't always think about it from this standpoint, but, you know, Okada always does that draping DDT. Um, I don't know if you guys ever thought about it, but, like, 
a draping DDT, if you're the one giving it, you're you're the guy who's just literally taking a bump on the concrete. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they went into I noticed they went into like a a count out spot and like Okada took a really fucking long time to get up. Like he didn't get back into the ring to like thirteen. And I was like, that wasn't like a sell. Like that was like for real, for real. Like he hit that ground and he just rolled over. He's like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Like that has to hurt so bad. Like I couldn't imagine. I can't imagine half the stuff these guys do. Like, um, th- yeah, the match was great. My my only thing is I for for whatever reason I'm just not as I'm never as high on Shingo and Okada as everyone else is. I don't know why. I really like the match. I'm four and a half on it. I think with us talking about it, maybe I could go even a little higher. But I'm probably four and a half. I still think the match is awesome. But um. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was five stars for whatever reason. I don't know. I just didn't feel that. But, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, they felt that way. And I feel like for a lot of people, this is going to be a match of the year contender by, you know, by the end of the year. But definitely one, if you didn't see it, you need to check it out because it was incredible. There's three people in New Japan that have defeated Shingo more than once in a singles match. So, and this is kind of an interesting group. Jay White jeff cobb and will osprey hmm. so i was wondering if there was a story there that shingo doesn't lose twice right except osprey but you know adding cobb into that is kind of fun too which also would have you know given me a lot to work with in in regards to if they went with cobb for the next uh, challenger and then the jay white thing is kind of interesting too so Something to keep an eye on. How many guys does Shingo lose to more than once? Because it seems like his thing is that he figures people out after that first match. Even in the Osprey matches, he gets closer and closer and closer, right? When he, with more and more counters, and it gets harder and harder. So, um, yeah, something the, worth the, keeping the, an eye the on. The only guy he hasn't figured out is Jay White. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you know what? It's... Even now, the Jeff Cobb he's fighting now is totally different guy than the one he fought at the Dome this year. Totally. And I think that was also kind of the story with Osprey. It was like these last two, the Osprey he fought in these last two matches, totally different guy than he faced in that Super Juniors and that G1 previously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, So, but I th- the thing is, I think you can roll back a lot of those matchups and they're fresh again. Yeah, and then it doesn't hurt just how dynamic <laughs> Shingo yeah. is as a performer. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing him in, like, hey, they should probably heat up Ishii and, like, give Ishii a crack at this thing. Like, why not? Like, let's just fucking do it. Put it, <laughs> put that on a destruction tour or something, you know? <laughs> hey, like, yeah. I'm all for it. Like, I don't give a fuck. Well, Ishii's, Ishii's definitely gotten title shots in the past before, so I'm down for Ishii and Shingo. But we do know who Shingo's next challenger is uh, post-match. He calls out. The first IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Kota Ibushi, comes out to the ring. Uh, he accepts a challenge. So sometime down the road, we're going to get Shingo versus Ibushi for Shingo's first title defense. Uh, a great way to kick the rain off. We know those two will have a excellent matchup. So looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, Chris Charlton made a remark where they talked about the third IWGP champion was Fujinami the dragon in the Showa era. And then the third IWGP world heavyweight champion, the Shing, the dragon Shingo Takagi. So, you know, he's saying, you know, there was like a numerology sort of aspect behind it. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't catch on to that 
myself, but yeah. <laughs> but this just, it feels fresh. It feels exciting. Um, it feels like there's a lot, a lot of opportunities, things that they could be doing where that might not have felt quite the same if we had ended up with like, let's say Okada and Ibushi again. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, the energy would have not, there would not be as much hype if Okada had just won. And we, yeah, we but, but, they, but they've they been building up this uh, potential match between Ibushi and, um, and Shingo for a while now. So the fact that we're kind that we're finally getting it, um, you know, for the title on the big stage, that's something I can really, really get behind, especially considering like, you know, low key, Abushi's had a fantastic year. I know he doesn't, he hasn't really gotten the credit for it because some of the story elements and, you know, political stuff behind it. But I mean, you look at his 2020, or I'm sorry, his 2021 and like, he's been on fire. Um, So this, this is just going to be another, another classic for these two guys. And I, I, I can't really think of too many other title matches that they could have possibly done in the interim that, uh, that I want to see more than this one. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, we've got a bunch of questions here on this match. Let's uh, run through them real quick. <laughs> Two things. I don't, I don't like that. We didn't get any questions for Bushi and Cobb and everyone just wants to, wants to ask Shingo questions. Like that's not cool. <laughs> Another thing. I, I think both of these title, both of these matches deserved, um, VTRs. They didn't get any. So they've been playing the VTRs during the commercial breaks, during the the, the cleaning breaks. Yeah, but for us. Well, you you don't fast forward the commercials. You tell uh, me you you don't watch the intermission, Josh. No, I don't watch the intermission. I fast <laughs> forward through the intermission. <laughs> That's where the VTRs are now. No, well, they need to play it just before the match starts, like regular human beings. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> but uh, first question here from. XX Gizmo LTD XX. Seeing as how Gato pulled the trigger on Chingo as champ, do you guys see a possible change in his booking philosophy for the future, or is this more of a one-off to reward a guy who's helped carry the company through a tough time? As then we will see more chances being taken on hot slash workhorse type champions in the future. Mm, I think. Shingo's a really special talent. And I think, you know, Ibushi is similar, right? Like, if you look at these guys, there should be no limits on these guys at the top, how high they can go. And if you weren't going to do it with Shingo now, it was probably never going to happen. And it's, I think, I, I obviously this wasn't the plan, right? This was not the match that was booked anytime soon, even against Will or whatever, whatever it may be. But I think they went with the hot hand and they finally booked someone to become champion at the peak of when people needed it. The fan base needed it. So um, this is good. So yes, maybe. Maybe it's a change in his booking philosophy in that way where it's not one of those make them wait forever uh, philosophies, which is pretty much what we do with everyone but Okada, right? But (laughs) um, this is... So in that way, yes, I think I think when it comes down to who becomes IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, it's still going to be those special talents. Um, you know, and I, I hope that we're back to that where it has to be a guy that you could see as the champion. 
Yeah. I, um, I don't think that this is departure from his booking philosophy because we have seen times where plans have changed and they've had a roll with the punches. That's what I think they did here. I don't think this is very much different from other times where he's done the same thing. You know, maybe it didn't happen for instance, under his uh, booking regime with the IWGP title, because we haven't had very many vacancies with the IWGP title, you know, since like, I don't know, going back to like 09, 06, something like that. But we've seen it with some of the other, some of the other titles where they've had to do the same thing. And so I don't know this, there is precedent for it is what I'm saying. Um, I don't really even see this so much as a, like a, I don't think this, uh, it'd be fair to say like, this is the attaboy gold watch reign the way that like Nakanishi's was, you know? Um, I think that this is more of a here, take the ball. Let's see what you can do with it. Kind of like what they did with evil and he didn't run with it and look where he is now. Now I'm not saying they're done with him, but the fact of the matter is he's not showing up in any of the, the big five, six guy graphics that you see when you turn on new Japan world anymore. So that probably tells you something there. I don't know, but I think that they're giving him an opportunity to showcase himself. And as I said earlier on the show, he has delivered in every position that they put him in. And I, I feel like if he continues to do that and draws money and sells merch and, you know, draws eyes to the audience and puts butts in seats, I don't see why they wouldn't keep using him in, you know, at the top. Yeah, and I agree with you, Josh, on your point about this not just being, you know, an attaboy. Like, yes, it's it's a reward, but at the same time, it wasn't just like, all right, you know, participation trophy, here you go. Thanks for, you know, being here. But, I mean, Shingo has literally, you know, put New Japan on his back. He's been, since he's been there, had the great matches, and no matter what division, you know, junior tag, junior division, heavyweight, never. Um, he's a guy you can rely on, can have great matches with anybody. And we saw with, the, you know, the Osprey-Shingo match, how quickly tickets sold for him being in a main event. So there is some data there to show that he is somewhat of a draw. And one thing the pandemic has brought us is just the unpredictability of the booking. Um, obviously, things are not going, you know, with the pandemic and injuries and vacancies the way that they planned. Um, but we've just seen the last year that we can't always stick to the same, you know, predictions for booking patterns. Like things are shaking up now. It's unpredictable. Viking Payne asked, with his uh... – recent world title victory and all the match of the year caliber matches. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. I skipped over a question. Peaky Blinder asked, uh, thoughts on the last three consecutive top champions, all being non NJPW dojo wrestlers. Is this a sign of the current situation forcing a different way of thinking or are times really changing for non new Japan trained outsiders? Uh, we covered on that a little bit. I think you can obviously attach Will Osprey into the, is a special talent, um, you know, portion of that conversation. I think new Japan is a, at its core at this point, new Japan pro wrestling is an international pro wrestling company. So with that said, I think that also does force them to look at people who come from Japan that maybe didn't come up through the dojo the same way they would look at someone coming in from the UK or the U S. And I think that, by wanting to be that. And I, I do think that that's what New Japan wants their identity to be to a certain extent. Um, I think by wanting to be that, it, it does kind of shift the mentality a little bit where you 
maybe you don't put quite as much weight behind being a truly internal guy. Um, and, and that's just that's just what I see from here, right? From sitting over here, I see those guys getting more opportunities. For a long time, I think a lot of people didn't think Shingo was ever going to get this shot, especially coming from you know his status in Dragon Gate, being placed with Naito, essentially, right? Like, how do you bypass Tetsuya Naito in your own group for the top title? I don't know. Kick ass, take names, and get the get the opportunity, and 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 you know have the fan base behind you on on both sides of the ocean, and that's truly what what has happened, and they they're going with it. So. A short answer yes maybe do, do you think naito is gonna have a sonata hoist um <laughs> shingo up on his shoulders in celebration and then look at him and give him the thumbs down they're gonna beat his ass <laughs> they're gonna beat his ass out of lij that wouldn't be the worst turn It'd be better than the evil turn yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like you mentioned, you're talking about three super special talents here, three of the best in the world, and Osprey, Shingo, and Ibushi. Uh, it, it would be kind of hard not to put the belt on on any of those guys at some point. And with the way Shingo kind of came in and his booking, like you mentioned, especially it seemed like he was going to kind of be stuck in that, that never role, that Ishii kind of role. Like he's going to be in the never division. He's going to have these awesome, you know, hard-hitting, strong-style matches, but he's never going to win the big one. But I think he just, you know, busted through that glass ceiling, transcended that division, and just proved that he is one of the best in the world, no matter if he's wrestling in every match or a junior heavyweight match or he's wrestling, you know, the, the golden boy of the company. Yeah, I think um, you guys brought up some really great points. Uh, one thing I'll just add to that, I, I think with Will, when you when you talk about the Gaijin thing, I mean, he had a lot of predecessors that came before him just recently, Jay White, Kenny Omega, AJ Styles. So that whole, like, you know, Gaijin's, you know, as a rarity holding the title thing is kind of gone at this point, especially with so many of them holding the title recently. I think the more, the thing that was more of a rarity in the past was non no gay dojo domestic talents winning the belt. But I mean, my question would be to anyone who's wondering, tell me what no gay dojo trained talents who have never held the title are primed and ready to win the belt right now. Think about it. There's literally nobody. Anyone who hasn't held the title, that might be a, a title contender in the future. They're very young in their you know, runs. Many of them are still young lions. Some of them have just come back from excursion the past couple of years. Other than that, the, the rest of them have already either won the belt or they're never going to get it, you know? like probably ever. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of where we're at. We're not at a point where there's a plethora, you know, there is no three musketeers tearing it up right now at this current time, primed and ready to go. You know, that's on its way. You know, we've, we've had some great young lines over the past five, six years that will be coming, but that's another, that's another thing you kind of have to think about. It's like, there are no other options except for going with a meritocracy and awarding the guys that are the best who, may have happened to have trained elsewhere, you know, which is fine. Uh, next set of questions here from Viking Payne. says, with the recent world title victory and all the match of the year caliber matches he has dished out, is Shingo Takagi now the front runner for wrestler of the year? Yes. It, in New Japan, yes. Worldwide, if you're talking about in-ring wrestler of the year, yes. 
if you're going to go with like the Flair Luthes award, no, he's he's not going to win it. And it's not even it's not because I don't think he should. I'm just saying like he's not going to beat Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega and probably Mox for that type of award. But if it was just strictly in ring, nobody else is touching him right now except for maybe, uh, you know, Will Ospreay and Ospreay's on the shelf. So with the G1 in front of us and him about to embark on a title reign for however long it lasts, he's probably going to be the top wrestler of the year already. He's probably already locked it up right now unless something bad happens. Yeah, the resume he's put together this year already. You look at the Cobb match in Wrestle Kingdom. The, the Tanahashi Never Title match, the Goto New Japan Cup match, a whole New Japan Cup run, uh, both matches with Osprey, both matches with Okada. Like, this guy has had an incredible year. Like you mentioned, Josh, now he's a champion. Uh, G1's coming up in the fall. Like, it, it, it's going to take some really, you know, crazy work for somebody to catch up to Shingo when it comes bell to bell. I, I'd be very surprised if he does not win, you know, the outstanding performer. If he doesn't win, are keeping a strong style wrestler of the year? Like I, I think he, you know, you know how like 2019 was like Osprey's year. Like I think 2021 award season, like Shingo's gonna be cleaning up a lot of awards. Yeah. Uh, his next question: Do you guys think Okada catching COVID altered booking plans, or is this just another one of Gato's long term storylines? Hmm. Uh, well, Shingo was not in this title match, so it something changed. But yeah. I I was never convinced that Okada was going to win that match against Will Ospreay. And like I there's a lot of people doing a lot of digging that thinks that think they have it all all figured out of what was gonna happen and why Osprey went home and you know all that. But we're not gonna relitigate that. But I'm not convinced that Will Ospreay couldn't have won the match in the Tokyo Dome and skipped the Kazuna Road tour. And gone home for the first time since the G1. Gone to the UK for the first time since the G1 as the champion and, and just not been on that tour. Like, I'm not convinced that that's not a possibility of what was going to happen. So, um, you know, is it possible that that's, that was the plan? Absolutely, of course. But I, I think people assumed that. And I think that's why so many people are surprised that Shingo won this match. Um Okada catching COVID, altering those plans? Uh, probably not. I don't think that they, I don't think, it didn't seem that Okada was suffering his way through this match. Well, what it was is he got COVID and then they're like, he's injury prone. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, we're never going to use him again. We're never going with him as top. If he can get sick, then who's to say he can't get sick again down the line? So no, we're not going to put the belt on him. Sky Shingo, he's healthy as a horse, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, I, I don't appreciate you coming on the show and giving us logic and alternative reasoning. Like, I don't like that at all. Like, it's very clear Okada was going to win and Will Ospreay is going to drop the title. Like, come on. Like, I, I, this, throwing all these conspiracy theories out here about Will Ospreay. Oh, me. titles yeah no, the, the conspiracy theories are on a patreon page <laughs> i think and it's not mine well, we'll no but, go ahead josh uh i was just gonna say we, we we touched on this i agree with chris um except for the except for will not doing the job uh i think he was i i do think they in my opinion i think they pivoted here uh i thought for sure like okada was going to win 
just based off of past um what's it called like cycles and patterns with gato's booking that just seemed to me to be the way they were gonna go um but who knows they could have gone a different way but then obviously shingo wasn't in this match so like chris said like something changed <laughs> so i i feel like this is literally the mox situation all over again when mox you know when that when those matches got switched around and everything like that i think that's what pretty much happened here i think they audibled you're talking about when uh tony Khan said the tsunami to stop moxley from going to japan <sighs> yeah when tony Khan called upon uh you know his uh inside i don't know he, he Mother caused Nature. a tsunami somehow. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he conspired to cause a tsunami to cause him to drop the belt. And we, because it seemed very clearly like, what was it? Juice was going to win the belt. Right. And then Juice didn't win the belt. Archer won the belt. And that is, an, I feel like this is the same shit. Archer was another guy who was like red hot at the time and they pulled the trigger on him and he wasn't supposed to be in that position. I feel like this is the same thing. It might not be, but that's what I think it is. And uh, speaking of conspiracy theories revolving around Osprey's last question here, he says, like the guys over at VOW had said, Osprey showed an x-ray of a neck and not necessarily his neck. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's be very clear. I didn't, I just want you guys to know that when I said that, I wasn't saying like, I wasn't saying it in a campy way, like a neck, but we don't know. I was saying it probably was his neck, but just to be clear, we don't actually for sure know. Because that is a fact, but I wasn't speculating on it like as if well, I, think, I. I think he was pointing out via Joe and Rich when he says VOW, not necessarily us. Well, he said we said it too, um, and we did. I did say it last week, but I didn't say it in a in a conspiratorial way where it's like Will Osprey's definitely hiding something. Like I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I I don't want it to get twisted that that's what I was doing. <laughs> and just so we're clear, it's not an X-ray; it's an MRI. And so you're all wrong. <laughs> okay. Like uh, you've ever had an MRI. I've had an MRI. And what do you know about me? <laughs> <laughs> we, we have not compared medical records. That was that was an x-ray. It's not an MRI. The most me- recent MRI I got was for my dog, and I don't want to talk about it. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Man. man. Wait, wait a wait to kill the mood. <laughs> yeah. Well, he shouldn't he shouldn't brought up his dog's MRI. <laughs> Uh, but uh, back to his question. He says, and, and now with Shingo winning the world title and saying that he still needs to overcome Osprey and Osprey tweeting that Shingo is just an interim champ, I just get the feeling that we're being worked and that Big Billy's injury aren't too bad. He'll be back soon. Do you guys feel the same? Um, I, I don't know, really. I don't feel like they're. I don't feel like we're getting worked. I feel like, regardless of whatever the truth of the situation is, one way or the other, or what a third way because who knows that, that I feel like there could be a lot of nuance to that situation one way or the other. They're going to build to a future match provided Osprey is still good to work for this company, which it seems based on his actions, what he's saying, and what the company has done and said since he dropped the belt, that that seems to be the case. So of course he's going to build up a future title match and, and respond to the fact that the guy that he just beat in his last title defense is now the champion. Um, I don't think that really tells us anything about the physical condition of Will Ospreay in any way, shape, or form. So that doesn't make me feel like we're getting worked. It just makes me feel like 
their wrestlers building an angle because that's what wrestlers do and that's what they should be doing uh i think will is on as good of terms as he can be with new japan i think he's actually hurt and i do think he'll be back before the end of the year yeah, that's where it seems like. I think we've seen him very active on Twitter lately with the whole interim champion thing and retweeting a lot of New Japan stuff. So, yeah, they're definitely going to build to a match. And like Josh said, I don't think, you know, him doing all this has anything to do with the actual status of how hurt he is or not. Uh, another thing, too, I want to be very clear. We have said the entire time since all the speculation began on this show that Will Ospreay is definitely hurt. <laughs> like we've never said Will Ospreay wasn't hurt that has always been something that has been pretty much reported from all credible sources that Will Ospreay is banged up he has injuries that is something we know so yeah I, I don't want it to be like sounding like we ever thought that he's not actually injured you know yeah uh, next question here from why did you do that, bro? Does the result of the Dominion main event make you believe that Osprey was going to beat Okada in the Tokyo Dome? It seems like they don't want the belt on Okada right now. Well, I think for Chris it does. Well, we, we kind of covered off on, on that a little bit, but I do think that this adds a wrinkle to the, you know, going back to Okada has never won this belt, right? And they're being, they're establishing that. And I think they saw an opportunity to establish it even further. Okada beating Osprey made sense. It made sense for Will's story long term. Right. right? It made sense for Will's story. Will can't beat Okada clean in the Tokyo Dome, right? Like tie it all together and eventually Will gets his moment where he beats Okada clean in the Tokyo Dome. Right? Like that was about Will's story. Right. Long long term, which is a longer story than Okada's probably going forward. If you're looking at New Japan, right? Like Okada's I don't know. You know, Okada's got a, another arc in him, I'm sure. But, I mean, and, and this is it. So, Shingo beating Okada, this actually works better long-term for Okada's story. Right. Because Okada can't win this belt. He needs to put this belt on a higher pedestal than the last belt because people are fighting harder for it. Right? What, however you want to spin it. But either way, now, now this belt is established as something that Okada's never had. And Okada hasn't won yet, and maybe he's not, he hasn't gotten up to that the level that it demands at this point. So, I think, and it also obviously we've 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 gone on and on about how great it is for Shingo and the fan base, right? So, this was there were there was a lot of things in motion here, right? And I think ideally, if Shingo was going to win the belt, you wanted him to beat Will Ospreay for it, but. If he was gonna win it at some point anyway, and he's someone on that short list that that's that's in that upper echelon that they want to put there, now was the time to do it. It also works really, really well to establish Okada's um, future kind of drive for that championship. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're gonna see. We could see a similar story here that we saw with Naito with the IC title. You know, it was a title he didn't respect or really wanted to go go for and a lot of times he kind of lost some of those big IC matches until he finally kind of came around and was like all right I actually do want this I do respect the title and then he would he would win it and have a reign and so we want to see the same thing here with Okada you know he's kind of talked down the whole double titles and the title unification and, and this belt and why don't we why do we get rid of the you know the IWE title and so like you said Chris it might be him finally having to recognize like all right this is the new top prize I am going to have to fight harder 
like it like it was the old IWGP title. Well, let's be very clear. Okada has never been a world champion. Okay, he he was a regional guy. You know, he held an, a regional IWGP title. This is the first war, real world championship that this company has ever had. So, I mean, this guy's pretty arrogant to you know think that he's gonna even touch that thing when he's basically just been icy level you know his whole career (laughs) (laughs) no but in all seriousness um and we'll move on i i agree with what chris was saying earlier the reason i thought osprey was going to win is because i felt like or i'm sorry osprey was going to lose is because it works better for osprey's story that he can't beat okada once that was kind of out of the picture this is probably the best direction that they they could have gone because we're living it we're living it right now and it's and it's good. So <laughs> let's move on to questions from Reddit user underscore stress underscore. I think we kind of covered their first question talking about how surprised we were when Shingo won. Uh, moving on to this, the second question. Uh, so Shingo no doubt deserves this win, but do you think this would have happened if COVID hadn't happened in an alternative timeline? Is Shingo doomed in a Goto S fate or was he always destined to this spot through sheer talent, overness, and work rate? Uh, there, there's a part of me that wants to say the cream always rises to the top, right? And that no matter what the circumstances were, regardless, he was going to get there. But then I think back to the history of New Japan, and we've seen some really incredible guys never touch that belt, you know? So I don't, I, I don't know that if these particular circumstances occurred, he wouldn't get there. You know, would he be just as awesome and, you know, still be just as hot and over? I'm sure of it, but I don't know if he ever wins the belt. Hadn't, you know, 24 things had to have happened to like perfectly align everything for this to to happen. And I'm glad it happened this way. So, you know, if there is one good thing that's coming out of, uh, you know, the current state of new Japan, it is this. So that's great. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, same. It's hard to say because this all happened, right? Like, this is our reality. So, you know, Shingo's one of the best wrestlers ever, right? He's one of the best pro wrestlers ever. He showed it in Dragon Gate. He showed it in Dragon Gate USA. He's shown it when he did the Champion Carnival. He, you know, he's over everywhere he goes. And it's because he's so great. He's got great facial expressions. He does, ev- I mean, he does everything you could want a pro wrestler to do. Is, you know, New Japan's history of of taking guys from other companies and not allowing them to get to the top. Did that work against him? Absolutely, right. But he's so good, like he's so good, and he he matched Naito in charisma, and you know, like he's on that level. So there was no reason not to think he could get there but all this stuff happened he had a great never run um honestly he had a, the best best of the super juniors you could ever ask for right establishing that tournament one of the best tournaments of all time like the feud with osprey osprey being one of the future um stars of the company he works really well with okada he's had great matches with everyone at the top of the card you know this Ibushi match will be you know another big tell for you know how he how he works with the bushi because their first match was good but not renowned so hopefully right. you know hopefully we get the 
whatever the classic version of their match out of this next this next one and to be honest like i don't know i don't know if there's a question here uh about what we think about this but like there's a chance ibushi just wins this title back right like I, we shouldn't it is dis- possible yeah. yeah we shouldn't just discount that that shingo is just the avenue to get it back to ibushi and it didn't make sense to put ibushi in the in the first title match but and I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about that because I don't know where it would go. I would prefer it stay on Shingo and Shingo, you know, becomes a real star. But, you know, if nothing else, we're going to get a hell of a match out of it. So, you know, I it's it's good. Who cares why we got here? We got here. Right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, definitely there, there would be a lot of factors kind of getting in the way if there was no COVID. And I just think about just the amount of, of you know, gaijin talent that would be coming over. There's been a ton of WWE releases. Think of some of the guys who would probably be coming over and maybe leapfrogging Shingo. What if they brought in, you know, you have you would have more Moxley dates. You would have like Miro coming over and jumping in. You would have a lot of kind of these big WWE names that we've seen in the past that kind of get, you know, the, the vignette treatment and get kind of pushed into title matches or top spots. I mean, he could have got leapfrogged by a bunch of those guys or other international talents they brought in. So, uh, yeah, all kind of stuff could have gotten in the way. But, yeah, I'm glad that we got to this situation. Even though through the pandemic, I'm happy that Chingo is our world heavyweight champ. Um, this last part here is not a question. It's just a statement. He says, with this, they now have an over champion, a handful of fresh challenger matchups for the rest of 2021. And they still have the Okada safety net still in the back pocket if they ever truly need it. Gato manages to make chicken salad out of COVID laced chicken shit. Thanks, guys. P.S. Fuck evil. Get NJPW EXT. Hail the dragon, Shingo Takagi. <laughs> Takagi time, baby. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, so we move on to Rainbow and Slam Pig. First he asks, as I watched Shingo pin Okada, I had a strange feeling that everything was going to be okay. <laughs> that New Japan would bounce back from this dumpster fire of the COVID slash evil year. Do you concur? I've always felt like we were going to come back at some point. I'm just worried about the, the ongoing state of emergency and the lack of like uh, vaccines. That's really what I'm worried about more than anything else. I'm not going to lie. I had a a tweet ready to fire off that said Okada is the champion again and all is right with the world. And I had to like delete it because <laughs> I was like, all right, like at least stable stability. He's great. It's been, all, you know, 530 days since he was the champ. Like that's a pretty good down period without Okada. And like it just, you know, to, to some extent, Okada winning the title would have like also been good for the soul. Cause it's just like, all right, at least like, yeah, put it on the guy and let's get back to normal. And then, you know, then, you know, go, go wherever you're going to go with it. But uh, you know, I, I was not going to lie. I had it all ready to go. It's in the probably still in the drafts. I was going <laughs> to get a little screenshot of Okada with the belt and shit and like send it off and, and just rake in the retweets. Right. But nope, had to, had to pivot <laughs> just like Gato and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and get some Shingo content ready. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
yes. I, I mean, I think New Japan's always going to be uh, at the top tier of, of some of the best wrestling in the world. My preferred brand of pro wrestling, right? Like, I there's great wrestling in a lot of different places. I watch a lot of wrestling, but New Japan is the presentation that I typically prefer. Was the COVID evil year a dumpster fire? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, there's probably no other way to put it. It didn't go well. It was, but I think they've realized it. They've seen it, and we're moving on. And like this is this is a hell of a make good. Yeah, man, agree with you 100 there. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is kind of the beginning of a quote unquote bounce back. Like Josh said, I, th- I thought New Japan was always going to you know come back as soon as COVID kind of got under control but it's a, a nice little treat here good little bounce back and should lead to just a, a string of great title main events uh, and so his next question he says what programs do you want to see our new champion work in the run up to g1 hmm. uh i mean i don't know i i guess uh i don't know i guess we can all just throw a name out there and then move on yeah <laughs> So, like, who's the number one guy you guys would want to see him work a program with, I guess? Uh, for me, I, w- I want Cobb. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I mean, I'd like to see, like, ZSJ, but I think he's going to get tied up in mm. Tagland. But I I would love to see that happen. I don't have the, I don't think they've ever had a singles match that I can recall. Not that I can think of. Not in New Japan, at least. No. Um, I mean, I'm just going to go with old tried and true. I want to see him and Ishii wrestle again. So mm. Nice. Uh, and Ishii beat him. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question. The, the run of first-time champions in Ibushi, Osprey, and now Shingo seems pretty amazing. Has there ever been another transitional period like this that you can think of? Um, yeah. The, well, I mean, you could easily answer when the title was first, when the first, when the second IWGB title was established and, you know, Vader and when we were coming out of the Inoki area era and, you know, all those guys like Fujinami and Vader and Hajmakov or whatever their names were, were winning the belt. But realistically, the, the correct answer is probably the early two thousands. Like there was a lot of quick title changes due to a lot a lot of Inokiism and stuff like that. But like Nagata had his first win in O two, Takiyama in O three, Tenzan in O three, Nakamura in O three. So like th- there was a period there where like, you know, uh Tadao Yasuda was just before Nagata. So he had a lot of first time champions, you know, coming back to back to back in O two, O three. So that's probably like the the next closest era that kind of reminds me of what's going on right now. I uh, can confirm that is the next closest era to what's going on right now. I'm looking at my list of reigns here, and I think that's the only other three in a row first reign that I can find. But but just to be clear, that was not seen as a as a positive. In fact, that was like a time where they were getting lamb blasted because it, it wasn't like, oh, they're giving all these new guys opportunities. It was like, Wait, they put the title on Yasuda because <laughs> he's good at MMA. <laughs> Hold up, let's let's get the title off him. They put it on Nagata, and he held it for a long time. But then they went straight to Takayama, and then to Tenzan, then Nakamura, and like Tenzan was 
the guy that everyone was waiting to get the belt, and then he only held it for 36 days, and he had no title defenses. And then Nakamura didn't hold it very long after that either. It, it, things were just really – I mean, that was like a chaotic period for the IWGP title where there wasn't a lot of, like, stability. And also all the Inokiism stuff that people were complaining about. Plus, there's a lot of vacancies around that same period of time from, like, 02 to, like, 06. So, yeah, it wasn't – that wasn't a good thing. I feel like this is a more positive thing than what that was. Yeah, yeah that was that is the only time that three straight the only other time that three straight people held three straight people had their first reign with the IWGP heavyweight championship and there were six in a row. Oh wow. Like wow. Fujita, Yasuda, Nagata, Takayama, Tenzan, Nakamura, like all in a row, all their first time uh first time champions. Oh, that's right. And Fujita had to vacate it. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he didn't even drop it. Yeah, so that was bad. That was yeah. It was a, that's a rough run when it really comes down to it. But at the end of it, you put it on Nakamura, which people had been kind of clamoring for. So maybe that's the you know the corresponding move here. Uh oh, you mean as the final six guy? No, he only held it for like fifty eight days, and then he had to vacate yeah. it. Um, because because they had him fight in a MMA fight a few right. days before. And, and he got fucked up, and then he had to vacate the title. They're idiots. <laughs> I think you got his orbital bone broke. <laughs> yep. That seemed to be why everyone vacates the title. They break their orbital bone, except for Will Ospreay. Yeah, he's just got a neck injury and back injuries and shoulder injuries. You know, tweeting out fake x-rays or MRIs. Fake, fake MRIs. <laughs> um. This last question, I think we already kind of touched on. Where does this all leave Naito? I think we kind of covered that earlier on. Oh, it leaves it. It leaves him in the. Now that was actually something I wanted to talk about real quick, and we can move on. How many of these factions have multiple guys that have won the world title now? Uh, I know Bull Club's got them, and then now Lij does. But other than that, I think they're the only two current active ones. Like the rest of the. I mean, unless you count Hantai, but like, you know, there's not a lot of groups that have you know multiple active guys that could be world title champions you know um like yeah it's kind of interesting and it does make me wonder what's going to happen with lij not so much naito i'm not worried about naito but i am like is lij gonna be cool or are they just is this just gonna be one of those times where like naito just chills back while you know the rest of the kids play and then when his time comes he'll just jump back in i don't know Right in, in the post match, uh, when he was drinking his Zima, he was like, "I'm here by myself. Like, there's no Lij. Like, that's a, a typical Lij thing for them to do, not not show up." So, I yeah, wanna... that is weird. Like, I was wondering, like, why they didn't come out for like the roll call after he won. They well, probably we were. Didn't... We asked the same question at the end of last year's Dominion. Where the hell is Lij? <laughs> you know what? Probably was they probably didn't think he was gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> They're already that on, would be legit, though. They're already they're, on the on the bus, like back at the hotel already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, next uh, question okay. from Kevin Crawford. He's an excellent match and well-deserved title victory in the Dominion main event. Do you think Shingo Takagi will carry the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship into the Tokyo Dome, Commercial Kingdom time? Uh, for me, I hope he does because I just think the amount of cool matches we could get between now and then plus you know him going into a g1 I, now that this does change things for me 
uh, he was one of my favorites to potentially win the G1. And now that's, if he's the champion going to the G1, that's kind of out, out entirely. So yeah, I don't know. Um, but I would love for him to be the guy that whoever wins the G1 has to challenge at the, at the dome. I think that'd be really cool. So I hope that is what they end up doing. Yeah. And if I think about the schedule, right. I don't think we're going to get the IWGP heavyweight championship match on any of the Kazuna road shows. Most of those are already announced and, and the, you know, Corkin's the, the venue of choice, right? I think you get Ibushi on summer struggle. If he wins that, I think maybe there's, maybe there's two more defenses before the G1. Um, maybe. Right. And, and even that is it's, Definitely one and maybe two, depending on what gets announced here. So could he go V3, go through the G1? G1's late again this year. Maybe he's got a defense, someone he defeated in the G1. They probably don't flip the title. He probably takes it to the dome, right? So there's a good chance because there's just not a ton of demand for defenses because you've got the G1 landing so late and the Olympics might bog things down a touch. Um, in the sense of having big shows. So I think, yeah. yeah I, I, think, I, I think he's going to have one defense, go through the G1, maybe possibly have a second defense before the Dome. But we could be looking at a title run where it's per, it's one defense, then a G1 run, and then the Dome, which makes sense to me. I think there's going to be one more defense before the G1. Yeah. Well, because yeah, they, they're still doing those big shows, possibly. You you gotta figure they're gonna do the dome show in August probably. Yeah, or try to get it. I don't I I don't have the calendar right. So, but they're gonna try to do that dome show that they had promised. So that's so, gonna get so two defense, title defenses right? basically. Yeah, and then you get the G one, and then probably something afterwards just to keep things interesting. Depending on how late it is, though. I think I mean as far as I could tell it's going to be around the same time as it was last year. So you're going to get the power but, struggle but, tour, but I don't. Oh, okay. Cause I was going to say, but I don't remember last year. So yeah. So last year, <laughs> I don't remember. You just forgot. <laughs> Not, well, you don't remember it because Naito defended against evil again oh, um, at the power struggle at oh, power struggle, man. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but yeah. I, I would love to see Shingo roll into dome season with the title. I think there's a lot of interesting dome main events you can do. Obviously, there's the whole Okada match. You can have Okada win a G1, and Okada have to struggle to try and beat Shingo and get the title. You could have Osprey come back. Osprey win the G1, and also there's a big matchup there for Osprey Shingo since Osprey never lost a title. You can do this whole. You can do Shingo Naito, and you could have Naito win the G1 and Naito and kind of build that rivalry there between him and Shingo. There, there's so many options and great, you know, fresh domain events that you could do with Shingo as a champ. Rich Latta asked preemptively, how does it feel to be able to take another victory lap that Shingo should have got the belt 12 months ago instead of evil? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't don't think we need to spend a lot of time on that, but very clearly these, this is a tale of two different title rings and title wins. Yes. One win had us, you know, ripping our hair out. The other one had us jumping for joy. Uh, moving on to the next question from Chris Urch. He says, Shingo's title wins feels like the jump start that New Japan badly needs at the moment. Do you guys agree? And do you have new- newfound hope for the next few months in NJPW? I would say yes, yes, and yes. Yeah, I think we kind of covered that. I think we're all very excited <laughs> going forward yeah. there. Let's go. 
Same thing with uh, MJ does PR. Are you more or less optimistic about New Japan after Dominion? I the hell kind of all... question is that? <laughs> Come on. Like, you know the answer. We're, we're all resounding yes. Uh, but he does have an analytics question for you, Sam. So he says, what's the exit velocity on Shingo's pumping bomber? My AWS, powered by AWS, was down for the for the Dominion. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't have the... the uh, uh, but I'd say probably like a shitload. Um, maybe maybe 115 because that's a pretty good home run exit velocity so and you know most of those pumping bombers are they have they have at least the strength of a of a good major league baseball home run 150 miles per hour there was one clothesline that he hit okada with in the corner and all the sweat literally just flew off of like okada's body but to me the way that okada slumped over it looked like his soul his body <laughs> soul crushing <laughs> uh, next question here from Matthew he says one for the stat man this is the first time a faction sub boss has held a big belt over the faction leader and considering Tranquilo is a work how do you see Naito's role in Takagi's <laughs> reign first of all that's not a stat at all it's um, not a stat because we, we just last year it just happened last year yeah, right it's also not stats usually have numbers and it's a history thing. Sure. Um, which is kind of it's my sub lane. Uh, but yeah, it happened with evil, um, which I, I don't think he was the leader of the bullet club and they never really established that, but you know, Jay white, it's still, it's still the Jay white era. Right. So uh, and when Okada won the IWGB title, he was right. Subjugated underneath Shinsuke Nakamura. As the Nakamura leader. Right. So, those those are the first two that came to my mind. I don't know if there's others, but also Carl Anderson was really the leader of the Bullet Club when AJ Styles won it. <laughs> well, he's, he's, he still is. Right. He still is, don't you know? <laughs> biz biz <quiz>, man. <laughs> or life. Um, or life. Yeah, I don't. I think we've already dealt with Naito, but I will concur that Tranquilo is a work, so we can move on. <laughs> Uh, next question from Dom Hoey 101. Is, is it me or does the new IWGP, IWGP Heavyweight Championship look better every time that you see it? It's because it fits Shingo just right. Yeah. Or just the right shape. They got to they gotta cut a little bit of it off. But. but but you know, it's funny. We said the same thing about Osprey. We I was like, I felt like they made it just for Osprey. I think that this is one of those things where when we first saw it, I think me and Jeremy, we both liked it. But we both were like, as time goes on, we're going to grow to appreciate it more because it is a very good looking belt. I think just people were just so enamored with the version four belt. That's like, you know, it's hard for it to live up to that lofty status, but I think the belt looks awesome. I just think it's, you know, too long. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really, it is a really good looking belt. Like when it comes down to it, I think most of what people didn't like, and this is, this is my perception, right? But most of what people didn't like was the title unification, the whole, like if they had just said like, all right, we got a new belt. Like, it's just a new, you know, a new image of what our top title looks like. They don't change the name. They don't change the, they don't get rid of the IC. Or even if they do get rid of the IC, they don't, like, make it a whole new lineage. I think that's the thing that people took more issue with not, so far. Not, not us. We would have freaked out. I loved that version for about. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that version, I've, I've got a little little pin in the version four it sits right next to me like i it is it's about as good looking a belt as you can do but i it the new belt it's a good looking belt it's it's different it it ties together certain elements of the ic and the all all the you know the different iwgp 
heavyweight belt. So, and you know, I've talked to Dan a couple times about the belt. I've gotten some information from him and like, he's really proud of how it turned out. And like, the, of course that creates a little bit of a bias because he didn't design it. New Japan designed it. He just made it. Um, but it's, a, I think it's a good looking belt. Yeah. I think it looks great. And I, I thought like, it, like originally it was kind of made look, look good on Osprey, but I think it looks great on Chingo as well. And I think it's going to look great on this kind of new generation of guys who are going to be in these uh, world title matches. My my favorite belt of all time is that winged eagle from the mid '90s WWF. So, you know, I'm gonna be inclined to like a winged belt regardless. Like that's already built into my core. So, yeah. So uh, his last question, I think we kind of covered. He says, "If Okada losing in the main event against Chingo, where does Okada go from here? And how do you guys think maybe we're going to see another redemption arc of Okada down the road?" I think we kind of. I, I will say this: if okada were to win the g1 let's say i wouldn't be surprised yeah i I think that like we mentioned like doing that story of okada having to try and beat chingo and trying to get his first world title makes a ton of sense but i feel like you keep bringing up naito and shingo i think there's money in a naito shingo match at the dome yes hell yeah Oh my god. I think there's money in an in Naito winning the G1 again too, right? That's, so like that's that, what I mean. Yeah, right. Like I think and how else do you get to a title match with Shingo except for like some lame can they coexist, you know, situation. So I think that's a huge huge opportunity for them to print money um and fill the dome hopefully maybe maybe they can fill the dome by then and i think you know naito naito and shingo fills the dome i'll tell you that yeah that that would that'd be awesome that's the match you should do and i know you're listening gato book it (laughs) uh so we got kazoo that's gonna do it for the questions and our review of dominion we've got uh some other stuff coming up with kazuna road yep so we have yota suji and you or yuomura they're gonna be going under a Cork and Hall gauntlet series, five singles matches for these Noge Dojo representatives in five nights. So it's very similar to uh, Kitamura's, you know, five-match trial series that he was going to have when he was still in New Japan. So for that Yota, he never finished. Yeah. <laughs> for Yota Suji, he has Tanahashi on the 14th, Taichi on the 15th, Okada on the 16th, Saber on the 22nd, and Okan on the 23rd. Yuomura has Suzuki on the 14th, Saber on the 15th, Tanahashi on the 16th, Taichi on the 22nd, and Ibushi on the 23rd. Uh, question here from Dom Homie 101. Any thoughts on Yotosuchi and Yuomura running the gauntlet against the big names in New Japan? There's a big name missing here. I don't see why Suji doesn't get his match with Naito. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, big payoff on that six fourteen show though, with with Suji Tanahashi and then Yuamura Suzuki, so that's kind of cool. Um, and then Suji ending with Okan, yeah, right. Like maybe there's something there. That's kind of he's gonna beat he's gonna he's gonna beat Okan. That's what you're saying, right? He's gonna beat <laughs> Okan and take over the empire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's a little that's a little much. He's just gonna <laughs> oust Okan from the Empire and take his spot. That's all. It's the Empire Shack. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is pretty cool. Like I, I liked it when they were doing it with Kitamura and I'll see Suji and Yumura. I mean, they're pretty much right at that point, ready for graduation. 
uh, and, and get sent off to excursion. So I think this is kind of a great last kind of hurrah for them if they're going to, you know, graduate and go to excursion. And like, like you said, like, you know, we're getting that Suji Tanahashi. We know how much Suji loves Tanahashi. So that's going to be like a dream come true for him getting it mixed up there on June 14th. And then Yumura, he's had a death wish for the last year or so and, and wanted to face Suzuki. So that's going to be, you know, open. He might not make the rest of his trial series. <laughs> Suzuki <laughs> might end him right there on June 14th. But that he has some great matches lined up as well. Which one of these guys do you guys think is going to get more wins, Suji or Yumura? <laughs> like Suji's getting like two, Yumura's gonna win one. Like, what do you guys think? Who's Suji beating? <laughs> Talk to me. Uh, well, I think I think he could beat tight. I think he could beat both dangerous techers. <laughs> well, the- and then and then win the tag titles in a, in a handicap match. And I mean, they do Okan's they do love right- to beat Okan, so. Okan's right for the picking. I mean, the only two I can't see him winning are Tanahashi and Okada. So, I mean, three <laughs> out of five is not bad. And uh, for Yumura, I mean, uh, Suzuki's getting old, you know? That might. <laughs> <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, the, like these will be really fun to watch. Like, ev- they're going to be so great. Everything about it's going to be great. I'm thinking on like the stat side of things because they're. they're not going to be a whole lot of wins here like what what can i pay attention to that makes this interesting between the two but um you know i'll cross that bridge when i get there in a week or so i I honestly think this is one of those situations where you're gonna act as a stat guy be able to sit back and there's not just love it yeah yeah, there's not gonna be a lot for you to really analyze aside from just historical matchups but clearly suji and you more have never beaten any of these guys it's not gonna be a lot of analytics there it's more just like the spirit of what they're going through and hey like we talked about kitamura was in the middle of this and he didn't finish and he never came back so you know this is this will either be the best thing or the worst thing for them um going (laughs) these guys these guys are so ready for this though i mean these guys should have been on an excursion a year ago yeah uh and and they should be coming back now so like and obviously things are things are wild and who knows if they can even go on excursion right now. Like where would That's they go? That's what I was thinking. Right. More more guys going to Rev Pro. Like what? Or are they coming to work dark? Yeah. Or man. are they all coming to strong? Look at that that U.S. vaccine tour uh, going. You know, join the God and Kojima, get vaxxed up, come here, do some strong, do some AW. They can do some uh, MLW, some ROH, Impact. Yeah. The doors are open. How amazing would it be if I was like in the dojo working with Suchi Nomura? <laughs> That's like a very real thing that could happen. Like it, it, it sounds crazy, but like you know, you never know like who will show up at Sai Dojo. Like you just walk in and be like, "Oh, hey, you know X Y Z big name wrestler that I had no clue was gonna be here today." <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can beat me up for the next twenty minutes. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, I'm excited for this. Some other stuff coming up for Casino Road on the June 22nd show. We'll have the never open weight six man tag team championship match as Chaos defends against the Bull Club team of Evil, Dick Togo, and Yujiro Takahashi. On June 23rd, we will have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title match as Rapungi 3K will defend against Ishimori and El Phantasmo. Uh, coming up for the next time before we record we'll have june 14th and june 15th show so on june 14th we'll have the mora suzuki match like we mentioned and tanahashi versus suji then there'll be a multi-man match we'll have yano yoshihashi ishii and goto versus jato dick togo yujiro and evil semi-main event okada and Rapungi 3k against gato elp and taiji in the main event 
all of LIJ against Dangerous Techers, Kanemaru, and Desperado. Then on the 15th, we'll have Yurimaru and Saber, Taichi and Suji. Then we'll have a tag match with Fiano and Rapungi 3K against Shado, ELP, and Taiji. Semi-main event, Okada, Yoshihashi, Ishii, and Goto against Gato, Dick Togo, Yujiro, and Evil. And the main event, LIJ against Wato, Tenzan, Tanahashi, and Kota Ibushi. And that kind of wraps up everything we have for Kazuna Road right now. Uh, real quick, we're going to just jump into New Japan Strong. We had the Road to Ignition Tour kicking off this week. We had TJP defeating Kevin Knight, Barrett Brown defeating Adrian Quest, and in the main event, we have my man Satoshi Kojima making his strong debut, teaming up with Carl Fredericks to defeat Team Filthy's Danny Limelight and J.R. Kratos. You guys have any thoughts about this week's strong? Uh, it was it was it sounds like it was good. <laughs> <laughs> It's a that's a good show. I mean, the Kojima and Kratos interactions were really fun. So, um, again, it's an strong. It's a super easy watch, great pro wrestling show. Um, just good, hard hitting pro wrestling. Yeah, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, they continue to push that Fredericks is the number one contender. So I feel at some point down the line we're gonna get Fredericks and Filthy Tom. Looks like we're gonna get Kojima versus Jr. Kratos. They continue the story of uh, Barrett Brown and Adrian Quest uh, when Barrett Brown turned on Quest and Barrett Brown's now with Bateman and uh, cheated to beat Adrian Quest. And then opener, we had kind of the you know new LA Dojo versus the, the old LA Dojo kind of matchup there. And then we have the card for next week. We're going to have the strong debut of Freddie Yehi. And he's going to be teaming up with Wheeler Utah to take on Mysterioso and Jordan Clearwater. We're going to have Rocky Romero and Leo Rush taking on Clark Connors in the DKC. And then we're going to have Alex Coughlin taking on Hikaleo. So Exciting stuff. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, Freddie High on Strong. I feel like he's a very underrated guy. A couple news items here. Yep, so uh, first thing here, uh, Chris Jericho has reported that he's uh, no longer under NJPW contract. This was written in The Observer this past week from Dave Meltzer. And uh, it says that his AW deal, uh, his New Japan deal, ended after the second night of Wrestle Kingdom 14, January 2020. Uh, Harold May was negative on his contract due to the high cost, but others in the company had a different opinion. Even after the pandemic, New Japan is going to have to get its finances back on track where they can afford a level of the deal Meltzer wrote. So what, th- what did Harold May do to Dave Meltzer personally? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know. I don't think it's what he did to Dave. <laughs> what did he do to Dave's friends? Because I, I'm not going to tolerate this this Harold May slander any longer. Harold May running out down the aisle like he's the ultimate warrior is one of the highlights of my New Japan fandom, okay? <laughs> hey, what, what, what no my highlights? going to take that away from me. Is Harold- my, so my question is, I mean, I, don't know, I guess probably a question for Chris Jericho, but like, was he on retainer? Like, were they paying him like to not show up or were they paying him to show up? And he showed up for the really big shows and he was a draw. So like, that seems like it made sense financially, but like, what is this annual deal? Like, I mean, like for real, like was he, did he have some sort of retainer where he could only work for certain other companies and they would pay him? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's not, how that type of deal normally works. Yeah. So I, was, I mean, I was surprised to see that like the, this particular bit of like, they couldn't afford it. It's like, well, 
but they can afford it if they sell the tickets. Well, I, I, from what I recall, like he was saying that each match he worked was, I don't have the exact figure, but it was well in the six figures, which is pretty, yeah, you know, pretty expensive cost for, for a match two or three times a year. He's making like, you know, let's just say $250,000, $300,000 a year for like two or three matches. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> totally. And, and, some diminishing returns on that too for sure and there and there were diminishing returns right. but uh but now now you could e- with with everything you could easily bring him back and do business again totally yeah that's that's what i was thinking it's like you get him back on a card it's almost like his first time back and he's a good guy now that's oh, true sure. yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't mean he would be but you know you know how Jericho is. He likes to reinvent himself. He'll come out of some sort sort of new Jericho character for Japan, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say uh, with uh, Harold May, one of my highlights was him giving me a uh, thank you for being an NJPW supporter sticker at, <laughs> at the uh, Madison Square Garden uh, Fan Fest. Mine was him dressing up as Piccolo for. <laughs> <laughs> For Halloween, you know. Oh my gosh, the man's raw. Uh, hey, I'm a fan of the shower. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I like the shower too. Yes. So. Um, <laughs> what a run! What a run! <laughs> literally, literally, what a run! <laughs> show me, show me another New Japan figurehead that ever gave us as many moments as as Harold May, and then and then we can talk, okay? Or whoever did as as much business as Harold May did. So you know, fuck off, Obari. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah, Kenny did an interview in Sports Illustrated talking about New Japan himself um, and talking about uh, Will Ospreay vacating the title. He said, before I left New Japan, I pulled pulled aside Ospreay and Jay White. I don't even know if I should tell this story, but I will. I told both, this company, at least the Western expansion and the pride of the foreigners, it's all on your hands. They're going to look to you to carry this thing, so you've got to do it. I said to Jay and Ospreay, knowing it was a likely scenario, was also hoping to light a fire under both of them for Osprey. He really came into his own. He made a complete career shift, and he was going to be a fantastic champion. He made changes to his body. He made changes to his style, his look, his demeanor. He became the person that he needed to be, the champion of that company. Unfortunately, becoming champion wasn't enough for him. He tried to fill my shoes physically, even though he's one of the most gifted performers to ever step foot in the ring. There's only one Kenny Omega, and you can't fill those shoes. Any thoughts on uh, Kenny's comments here? Yeah, it's just, he's just healing it up. He's a heel, so it's half kayfabe. Uh, the one, the only interesting thing I thought about it was I saw um, Jay White's response to this, and he just put, he just said it was cap. Yeah, he literally just was like, "This is cap." <laughs> so how true it even is, you know, uh, it's probably as true as those MRIs, you know. <laughs> just playing. <laughs> I, I, I think Kenny's just, you know, he's he's trying to get a, uh, another belt collected right here. He's trying to work an angle. Um, I'm going to jump in with some breaking news. Okay. Kind of something we just touched on with Strong. Uh, Leo Rush has announced on Instagram that he is retiring from wrestling. <laughs> he's wow. injured. Looks like he broke his collarbone, maybe. Okay, this one is an x-ray. That's, that's not funny. I'm just joking. I just thought because he's retired from wrestling so many times. Before. Sure. It's like, a, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's like a four Instagram screenshot um, thing. I recommend uh, checking it out if you were a fan of Leo Rush, but he thanks AEW and NJPW Global for everything. 
and the you know the full story is on his instagram so i guess we can't count on him for best of the super juniors you know i thought something weird was happening because he was like pulling all his like merch he took a flash sale on his website for the merch he was getting pulled from all these indie dates i was like oh maybe he's getting a full a more aw deal and he has to leave the indies but i guess this is this is a story man i don't know that that sounds weird it's kind um, of a bummer though yeah it is i, I I hope he's okay in all ways possible because he's announced his retirement multiple times before and you're saying his collarbone's broke? I mean, it looks like his... It, I think that's what it is. I like. I haven't read the whole post, but the, the okay. x-ray looks like the collarbone. Dude, even if I... Well, A, I can't see that on the screen, but even Perfect. if I could, I'm terrible at this stuff. Like, when I looked at that Will Ospreay one, I didn't even know what I was looking at. Like, uh, yeah, so I'm terrible at that stuff. But, like, here's the thing. Okay, let's just assume it is a collarbone break, which is bad. I don't know that that would mean you couldn't wrestle anymore. So I'm wondering if it's all just injury-related or if there's something else going on because he's done this before. Um, so I hope everything's good with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep you guys posted if we hear any other kind of further updates on Leo Rush. But yeah, it looks like he's done for now. Um, in other news, uh, you can check out Chingo's first comments as world champion uh, from the post-match press conference on NJPW1972.com and New Japan World. Uh, applications are open for the NJPW New Zealand Dojo tryout. So here you go, young boy. Fly yourself to uh, New Zealand here. Get a tryout with uh, Bad Luck Fale. Brown. I don't know if I could even get into New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had an, another injury of uh, Jado was injured this past week, and he was pulled from the June 2nd show, but looks like he's fine because he's listed for these Kazuna Road shows. There's a brand-new series coming to the official New Japan English YouTube. They're going to be releasing uh, New Japan interest music and videos fortnightly, and the first one they released is IWGP US champ John Moxley's uh, video and music. You can check that out. Monday Hot Friday. take, that's his best theme, and yes. that includes Wild Thing. Yes, yes, the Death Rider theme. Is, is, it rocks. It's awesome. Well, it doesn't even really rock. It's just awesome. It's not better than The Shield. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, the Monday free match, Rapungi 3K versus Bushi and Shingo Takagi. And last thing here, my man, Kojima, had his first Impact win over Cody Diener on last week's episode of Impact. It's a build to Kojima versus Joe Doring at Against All Odds. Have New Japan's got, uh, they got Kojima working the wrong U.S. company. The company he should be working for is MLW. Yes. Go on a nostalgia run. Yes. Get his, get his belt back. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I would love that. Let's go. Impact, I don't I don't think Kojima can win the Impact title, but I feel confident he could win the MLW title. 100%. Yeah, Jake Jacob Fatu, hold his Koji cutter. Hold his lariat. Let's go. He Fatu's at like 700 days though right now. Like, yeah. He's Yeah, it's time for him to come off that shit. <laughs> Right, and MLW is going back on TV, on, on tour, on Vice TV. You need, you need to draw, you need to fill those seats, you know. Hey, that's one of my favorite Chicago Chicago uh, shows to hit. When they do the Cicero Arena or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, Cicero it's, it's Stadium really, or whatever. A, yeah, it's a really good time, actually. MLW could uh, give their belt to Kenny to hold, so he's got some more gold. <laughs> Just hang on to it. He doesn't even have to win it. 
He could just, just bring it out. Just give it to him for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Court, so guess... Court, would, Court would tweet about it three days earlier and, and really hype it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we got some questions to close out the show. Just a couple since we had so many Shingo questions. Yeah, so from Viking Pain, says, which of the recent data releases would you like to see brought into New Japan? Buddy Murphy's a popular pick, but I kind of want to see what Braun Strowman can do as a monster foreign heel. People, people are really, you know, I think a lot of, like, modern New Japan fans would be very against the idea of, like, a, a monster like Braun Strowman coming in. But, like, with me as a longtime fan, I remember times where the monsters came in, and I love, I love the freak show aspect of New Japan when it happened. So why not? Let Braun Strowman come in, you know, and, and run around the ringside and throw chairs and shit. Like, I'd be all for it. I don't care. We had Giant Silva. I'm sure he's going to be better than him. <laughs> Yeah, I will say Braun Braun worked really hard and, and got much better um, towards the end of his WWE run, and I think you can get a good match out of Braun with the guys in New Japan. I'm not sure if I want to see him there full time, but I think you can kind of do a freak show kind of spectacle thing with him. They they would never have him though because that dude was making like a million dollars a year on his plus on his WWE contract, and you know you remember his his statements about independent wrestling and. You know, yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Pull yourself up by your bootstrap. This guy's not coming to Japan. This guy's. I. I'm telling you, unless like someone gives him like a million dollar contract, like AW or something like that, he's never gonna wrestle again. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm. I, which I'm fine with. I, I. Nobody on this round. I mean, Buddy Murphy, sure. Like he's a good wrestler, but I don't know if that like hypes anyone up. Um, he's, I mean, he's a really good wrestler and I think he would have great matches, but I don't know. Like I said, I like, I don't know that him showing up like moves the needle of, of people paying attention. Strowman showing up would move the needle of people paying attention, but I, I agree with you guys. I don't think it, I don't think that's a possibility, but it could, that could be fun as hell if it happened. What about, well, you uh, told me, Tommy N? You told me, oh yeah, I would love to see Tommy N show up. I don't know. I'm tired of the. I'm already tired of him on the internet. <laughs> I well, what did he do? Has he been saying stupid stuff or something? Uh, he's just got a lot to say. He's just been, you know, thanking got to be so God. much and talking about how much Vince loved him and his ideas. And yeah, it's it's not even that. It's it's like digging in on all of the ideas he had and oh, the, like the, the lore of and his like new character. Explaining it all, and it's just like I don't know. I like that's part of why I like pro wrestling in languages that I don't understand. Because I put those pieces together in my head canon. So I I don't know. That I don't need someone to I don't want I don't want everything laid out for me like that. I wanna be rewarded for paying attention. And I want to be the one that figures it out. You're being too harsh on this man. He was sitting in a fucking room for like two years, okay, <laughs> with no one to talk to. Of course, when he gets fired, he's going to start talking. He's been alone in a room waiting for someone to come challenge him to a fight and no one ever showed up. <laughs> he would probably have some Tell great – he would have a great run in New Japan. Like there's so many good matches for him in New Japan, but I, I just got so sour when I was just like, dude, just stop. I, I've always loved – Tommy and as a wrestler, I've never even heard him talk really. So I mean, I and I'm not on the internet really, so that part I'm fine. Hey, I say uh, uh, World, I, World Tag League, you, you bring in Tommy and Chris Hero. Oh, see, that yeah, sounds Hero, great. Hero, heroes never die. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I think Buddy Murphy could 
Oh, yeah. I mean, people are going to get mad at this, but, like, Buddy Murphy, if he came in, he'd definitely be a junior. And I think that we talked about the international vert, you know, aspect of the junior division. I think he mm-hmm. – I don't think he'd be a major player, but I think he'd be an asset to the junior division. Definitely. He could. I mean, put him in a best of super juniors, and that elevates the whole – the, that whole block for sure yeah I, I also think um both those guys might have a spot on strong which like in the past might have seemed like a a lower tier thing but i feel like that's a, a pretty good stepping stone to get yourself over and you know potentially you know slotted into new Japan proper um so that's that's also a possibility as well yeah um, i can also ask that any of you guys watch the terrible mayweather paul fight I watched it. It wasn't terrible. I mean, it really wasn't. It was fine. I did not watch it. Yeah, I, I, sk- I skipped this one. <laughs> I, I watched it. It was fine. I mean, it, it it was. I mean, what did you expect? It's a YouTube. It's a YouTuber fighting, you know, an elderly <laughs> Mayweather in a freak show fight. Like I, I don't know. I love freak show fights, so like I was fine with it. And you know, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Floyd Mayweather knocked Logan Paul out. There was one point where he hit him with the chopping overhand right, and I'll send you guys the clip, but he hits this man, and Logan Paul starts to go out, and he holds him up, (laughs) (laughs) and he got him through. I'm pretty sure they did business, like, and he wasn't, like, trying to actually, like, you know, knock him out or anything like that, so... Uh, next question here from Mitch MM22. If you could only choose one, would you guys rather see the Forbidden Door continue to be open in America and see New Japan continue to work with promotions like AEW, Impact, and MLW, or open the real Forbidden Door and have New Japan open up relationships with promotions in Japan like NOAA, DT, All Japan, and Dragon Gate, etc.? I'd rather see the second, the domestic uh, um, Forbidden Door open. I I would like I would fucking freak out if we could get some of these interpromotional matches in Japan going. Oh yeah. And especially with Shingo holding the title and some of the old stories from Dragon Gate and new stories and that he could tell with guys from Dragon Gate, that could be a really cool situation too. And um, some of the all Japan guys he's wrestled. Oh too. yeah, absolutely. Right. And all Japan needs a shot in the arm. Right. So, um, yeah, that would be cool. There would be so much to work with there. That'd be amazing. But I think that that's way, 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 way a long shot. Yeah, I think we. Just, yeah, it's, it, it's not gonna happen. There was there was a big you know cyber fight festival this weekend that had a uh, DT Noah and Tokyo Joshi Pro, and that had a lot of hype, a lot of buzz, a lot of people kind of tuning in for that. So if you could do like a even bigger festival, including New Japan, talk about what Okada's talked about in the past, and have, kind of have this super show of the best of each promotion kind of facing off against each other, that would be super cool. And uh, yeah. last set of questions here for Dom Homie 101. This is the uh, the Young Boy Fight segment. It's his time for some fight talk. And he says, no, there will not be any questions about the bank withdrawal that took place on Sunday between Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Uh, his thoughts <laughs> on Clarissa Shields making her MMA debut in the Professional Fighters League in June 10th on ESPN. Uh, the one last thing I will say about that uh, bank withdrawal, I was a little bit impressed with Logan Paul. I think that he, uh, like, obviously, like, he got his ass beat, but, like, I felt like he looked like he had more technical, like, acumen and potential than his brother, which is not, like, the, uh, 
you know, the popular, you know, opinion because Jake has knocked a few people out, but like Logan looked like he could actually box and throw a good jab um, at least. So there was that. Uh, anyways, about Clarissa Shields. I mean, Clarissa is amazing. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to tune in for her MMA de- debut. I listened to an interview um, on Joe Rogan where she talked about this uh, upcoming debut and what she's been doing to prepare for it. Um, we've seen like Holly Holm make that transition and she did really well. I, I hope Clarissa will do well. PFL is a, probably a good landing spot for her to start off, but they've got some good girls there. So, I mean, I don't know really what to expect at all. Um, but I like Clarissa Shields a lot. I hope like maybe, you know, she does well and then she can transition back to boxing and draw more, you know, eyes to her because I mean, she's a fucking killer. Like she's one of the greatest women's boxers ever. <laughs> nice. And his uh, second question here is with Shakur Stevenson fighting this Saturday. What are the young boys thoughts on Stevenson? Steven Stevenson is, um, you know, um, he's a prodigy. Um, we've been waiting to kind of see him like step up to the plate and take on some bigger challenges. I don't know that this fight coming up is quite that, but, uh, you know, I want to see him tested at this point. Um, but from what I've seen just from the fights and, you know, his amateur career and the Olympics, everything like that, I mean, he looks like he's got the goods, but we kind of need to see him tested. So. Nice. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the questions. Last thing here, recommended match of the week. So last week, my recommended match was Marifuji versus Ishii from the 2016 G1 Climax. Young boy, did you get a chance to watch this matchup? I did. Really, really, really enjoyed this match. Um, I think I understand why I didn't remember it because it's literally just over 12 minutes and, you know, it's on the undercard of kind of one of the more like forgettable nights, but um, from the G1 that year, it was like night seven and the the main events that were above it, like they pale in comparison. But man, what a little hidden gem. Like this match was such a treat. Just the freaking strike exchanges between these guys. um, Literally like so, so fucking hard hitting. I I thought that the Elgin... um, Ishii match from that year's G1 was maybe like the hardest hitting match, but like I have to rethink that after watching this because these guys were on point. They were just slaughtering each other. Really great sequences, great counters, very fast, high paced. Marafuji's offense and Ishii like eating it and then selling and then, you know, doing his bumbling bit and then coming back and then firing up. Um, yeah, this is, this was like, if you gave this more time, it would have been a match of the year contender because it got 12 minutes. I think that's why it flew under the radar. If I could give a match like four and three, four and like a third, that's what I would give this match. Like, <laughs> but it's probably like somewhere between four and a half and uh, four and a quarter. You can do whatever the hell you want, man. No, I can't. There's, there's, give finite, him a third. <laughs> no, no, there are finite rules of uniformity, you know, man, there four. There's no more rules, man. We got we got six and seven stars. You can, that's you can do that's not a thing. There's only five. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this match is just it, it's really really freaking great. Uh, if you've been getting if been if you've been watching any of our recommendations and you've been seeing some of Marafuji's work in New Japan, this is a, a big recommendation and super enjoyable at like 12 minutes. I mean, how can you go wrong with Ishii Marafuji? Um, I would definitely say check this out for sure. 
Nice and Chris. Oh, and 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 the surprise that Ishii beat Marafuji at the end, which like I don't think anyone was really expecting that. Yeah, uh, Chris, you have a recommended match for us for this week. Yeah, let's go. Kind of simple. Let's go two years ago. Dominion six nine at Osaka Joe Hall. Let's look at Shingo Takagi's heavyweight establishing match against Satoshi Kojima. Oh, so dude. good. Yeah, right. I, I, Dude, can't go wrong with Shingo. Can't go wrong with Kojima. I love that match at the time. Look, I have, I have not rewatched it since then. So yeah, that that's a great pick right there. Nice. Well, that's gonna wrap things up for us, Chris. Thanks again for joining us. Go ahead and get your plugs in. Tell our listeners where they can find you online. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just sportofprowrestling.com for all of my stats and data work, and the Chris Samsa on Twitter. Nice. Once again, thanks for joining us, Chris. Next week, we'll be back to review the beginning of the Kazuna Road Tour. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate. Click on the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. Follow us also at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash social suplex. Also find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Issue Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. We have Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex with Josh, number two, and Sandy. On Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin and the Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Itchy Bon. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.